My name is Gray Thomas. This is the expanded self. Today, my guest is Ryan Drake. And for those who have not joined us before, uh, this podcast is kind of about the interconnectivity of the human condition, how different people influence us to be who we are, and, and pretty much how the self is comprised of little bits and pieces of everyone we've ever come across whether it's we like them and wanted to be like them or do something like them or people we didn't like and didn't not want to be like and uh kind of how we forge ourselves through time and it really stems from this quote from lord alfred tennyson uh which i really i love it's i am a part of all that i've met that was hanging up in my english teacher uh, my freshman english teacher's uh room and no, no excuse me junior year and it was hanging up on the wall and i was like what the hell does that mean and then i just thought about every day i was in there i was like well i guess i do this you know i'm kind of like my dad in this way kind of like my brother early early humor i'm I'm like chris farley really molded me you know like i felt like i had to be loud because i was big so that's kind of like the analogy of like what the extended self is so we're basically products of our environment and the people in our lives so i made this podcast to show how we're all connected and inspired by each other uh i am going to have guests on that have personally inspired or influenced me in some way and i'm going to ask them about their respective influences in their lives and hopefully we'll see how unique and unifying the human condition is through glimpses into what provides that spark of inspiration for different people and we are going to be uh, rolling these out in a weird order. So you may have heard the one with Blev. You may not. Ryan's probably episode number two. So congratulations to you, Ryan. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. That was a good intro. Thank you. Thank that you. was wild to watch. Was it? Yeah. Because I was just thinking about, hey, remember, like, going from, like, drunk radio shows at the spot now <laughs> to say, just to hear the words you're saying. I was like, I wouldn't have known this is the same person. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, this is, this is one I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, cause I want, I really like interviewing people. Or, uh, what I really like is having conversations, right? And, you know, finding common ground or like just getting different perspectives. And I've always been obsessed with the idea of like, who am i really you know when you really think about when you're like who am i like what is it that makes me me and then when you can say those things you know if you're like well i I, you know i'm a family person or family oriented why are you that way like where did you learn that you know it wasn't just something that was like it's not like your phone came uh it's not like your brain came with that pre pre hard hardwired like it's learned somewhere and so that's kind of what, what all this is about and um i think the best place to start and then i'm going to start every episode is kind of introduce the guest you you my friend ryan drake um how i know you what it is about you that has either inspired me influenced me um or just made me made me do something that i felt was worth note uh, of note can i can i stop please quickly i have i already have a million things i want to say Uh, absolutely first of all the thing you said at the beginning about the quote on the wall and you thought about like that's something i've had like as i've gotten older Mm-hmm. I realize you start to realize like so many of those very cliche things that you've heard your whole life that you don't pay attention to. You get mm-hmm. a moment where you go, Oh shit, I get what they mean. And I understand uh-huh. why it's a cliche thing. Like it makes total sense now. hundred percent. So that's one of those things I feel like, um, two, 
I forgot what two was. No worries. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely make it back to it. Funny thing you said, uh, uh, a, a quick little side note about, you know, those cliches. Cliches also tend to be like short and easy to remember. Um, so the shortest words in the English language tend to be like the most important, like mom, dad, hi, but you know, the ones that just like have translated and are the easiest to get across, like that get repeat the things that tend to be the most important, like you get going quick, like you want to relay that information and stuff. So cl- cliches are ways to compartmentalize and like, I guess, compress larger perspectives about life that like you said like it it won't click in until you have that perspective of like oh if i don't put the grocery cart up then i I, i'm the jerk like i get whatever that platitude was about you know so yeah so that's kind of what all this is about uh so to introduce you let's see i also want to say either either you it's probably me either you didn't really tell me what we were doing here because i didn't really know i don't think you read the email i clearly did not (laughs) i didn't know there was an email unless it was probably months ago right uh, it was months ago. Okay, yeah, then no. Um, but two, I was I was telling you before we came on here, it's like it's so weird when someone wants to just yes. do a nice thing for you, mm-hmm. and they just want to talk to you about you. Like, I pay therapists for that. Like, I pay people for that. So when someone's right. like, no, I just want to talk to you, and like, I talk to your friends about you, it's like, holy shit, like, that's yeah. so uncommon yeah that you can't like, help what's up what's you can't angle? help but go like what's he trying to get out yeah, what's, like what's the point am i this? gonna walk away and it's like more gonna tell me i am the father like what's going on yeah you know so yeah no i totally get that and um so i think another part of the reason i do this too is um i i don't know i don't know how to tell people thank you or i want to give people their flowers essentially before you know they're gone or it's too late like you never understand like the impact different people have. like, and it can be someone you knew for a very, 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 very short time. Uh, I think about people, uh, I, one of my friends, uh, Paul Lewis, we didn't know each other for very long, but he had a huge impact on my life. I'd, I'd love to have him on here sometime, but we knew each other for maybe, you know, three to four years. Um, and he ended up being a huge part of paradigm and stuff early on and different things. So you don't, you never know like where it's going to come from. So, um, with you, I think the funny thing is, is like, I don't really remember meeting you, um, specifically at one, like, oh, that's, that, that's right. Like you <clears throat> always had, um, an early social media presence to me, um, because when we started to, we, uh, my brother, uh, Baylor, Dan and I, when we started doing the music thing, we were based in Norman, but I was from Oklahoma city and I always wanted to make that transition from Norman to Oklahoma city. And I never, you know, I, I, the whole premise of paradigm was why do I have to go to Dallas for a concert? I want to see here. And so you start looking around and you're like, who would even be a part of anything fun here? Or who's even in a room that entertaining 300 people, right? Well, you start Googling Oklahoma city, Twitter promoters and different things like that. Well, in 2010, 2011, it that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, wasteland there's nobody there and you correct me if i'm wrong you had the most followers in oklahoma at, at one yeah point. for a minute uh, for, for like a minute that in 2008 was, for before, not being a thunder player well before the thunder came oh, to, okay, before okay. the thunder came to oklahoma city i was the most followed person from oklahoma on twitter that's amazing but yeah i guess it was very short-lived but but so that's the thing right like so different things like that kind of stood out and you know so i kind of knew of you but um well, really, the, to me, the introduction was um, 
you had Josh, uh, Josh Sali, who uh, I've mentioned on this podcast before, on your show to promote some of his music and interview him. And uh, we talked a little bit there. I don't remember if... Uh, you I were actually, his manager. I was his manager. Right, right, manager. Right. Yeah, I was Josh's manager. And so you showed up to the studio with him. Right. And we met. That's, yeah, I think that's... I don't remember how I got in touch with Josh or why he was even on my radar. Yeah. I think I was just trying to talk to everyone in the music I, I think that's world what, here. I think you were just... Re- that was the thing. I think you were um very full one, one of the things about you uh that i was drawn to earlier was you were very forward thinking in terms of like different ways to network i got uh you know so many people told me to get like a business card early and do different things it was like and, and you know you had all your social media it was like the same handle everything it it wasn't even like the cleanest presentation but it was just you were on it early and you pushed everything on those avenues and like you really believed it and i was like all right you're forward thinking in that aspect so that was an easy thing i, I think you were probably doing the same thing and it was like what's popping you know that will help uh, what what's good and what has a draw that will be beneficial to have on my show stuff like that like you were just reaching out well i knew that i knew especially then at that time that when we were doing our old podcast the very first one that we did on the spy they were very the spy was very like rock like red dirt very like rock music and like that wasn't really my thing mm-hmm. especially at that time it probably is more now than it was then but at that time I was much more into like hip. I was into like new artists, like right. new up and coming, like blog, like blog. We talked before how big the blog scene was. And hip hop was at that unique intersection of being underground cool and mainstream cool. You know, like, so that, like, that's really, like, again, those blogs, like, really, really fueled that. So that's probably where those interests stem from. But yeah, but like, I wanted to make sure that we could showcase because, like, yeah. you could listen to every other show on that network and hear the same. Like, mm-hmm. five, you could hear, I mean, I love talking to Sherry Chamberlain, she's one of my favorite people in the world, but like, you could also hear her on 12 other shows, right? I was like, who can we get that's going to be unique to us, right? Right? So, I, uh, you know, uh, you guys had all sorts of guests back, back in the day, I remember that. Um, well, but- that was another part of the networking thing that was like, I knew. I just, I was like, I don't want to just talk to a specific time. I don't, this is not just a music show. Like, right, right, right. I wanted, I started more as a comedy show. Like it was an outlet yeah. for my comedian friends to come on. And then once we got the kind of rub from the spy, we talked, we had more access to musicians. Mm-hmm. But then from there, I was like, let's talk to journalists and like event planners. Cause event planners will come on your show and you'll promote their event and they'll tell you, they'll give you free tickets to the event. Absolutely. Like you can go hang out these cool events. So that was the beginning of like. I want to talk to every cool person doing every cool thing in Oklahoma City just so I can be a part of whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, and that was kind of our mindset at the time, too. I was, I don't know what's happening with social media. It's the wild, wild west, but I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and kind of see what, see what sticks. I know what I'm good at right now. I'm going to draw everything I, I can to it, like coming to shows, doing, like, we started just blogging. You know what I mean? And then that turned to promoting shows. Doing uh, so anyway. Wait, can I say one thing before we get... Yeah. I'm jumping way ahead. But no, you're fine. I thought about this like, when we hung out a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. for your graduation. Yes. And I, but I just thought about it again when you said that we met through Josh. Right. I just remember that we eventually, you and I did a lot of... I feel like I probably recorded more stuff with you than anybody. Maybe, maybe not Alan, oh. but other than that... You, oh, probably. But like you guys always used to have like a squad... Yep. You 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 rolled deep. Yep. It was a rotating squad oh, of, man. of so many people that I met through you guys. Yeah. That I met once or twice and then never saw again. Yeah. But like I was thinking about that when we were at your graduation thing. I was like, it's crazy that like not that you guys in particular were cycling through people, but just that right. whole scene in general, people come and go so quickly. Yeah. And I was oh, like, yeah. it's crazy that we have that like I've stayed a part of this. No, I completely agree. I think uh, so one of the things, you know, it's like um that i'm kind of exploring with this too is like the glue uh the through line that like connects the people that 
persist in your life um did you watch you watched lost right mm-hmm. so i mentioned this to blev uh to me lost was basically about like whether it's an afterlife or whatever um the p there's no there's no logistic way that it could uh, contain every every wish and desire but i think like if there's something there or later or what life is about it's the people that you remember in those moments that you did had the most significant shared experiences with and we've had enough of those through a different variety of mediums you know uh, and like you said so many other people cycled in and out there's no like there would have been no way to predict who stayed at that point you know, and that, 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 that's a crazy thing. So you had Josh on, uh, we came with Josh and like you said, we always roll deep. Then, um, something happened on, um, we talked, we, we, we ended up talking more and more just about you like hosting or doing different things. Um, you would come to shows like we always wanted, wanted you to come to shows, um, put you on the list, do whatever. But I remember there was some, I think it was Norman music fest that really just like shit a break when it came to hip hop that year. And I went nuts on Twitter. I like freaked out um, and went on one of my little rants and I got on the Oklahoma Rock Show to talk about it with Grace and Ryan at the time. And I wanted you to, do you remember being there? No, I, I don't remember you, this at all, actually. Yeah, I asked I, you, I kind of remember you going off on Twitter about that, but I don't remember yeah. anything else. So I asked, uh, or so I went off, I, I wanted you to be there. I think you were going to be there anyway, and you just like ended up being late. Uh, but Josh was there, um, Baylor was there, and Dan was there, and they talked to all of us. And I think within a, you know, my memory is a little fuzzy on it, but within a handful of weeks, uh, they were like, you did a really, you know, good job. We'd like to work on doing a hip hop show. And I was like, well, and I know you had a big hand on that as well mm-hmm. that they wanted to do. It, and it was just like a natural, I think it was just the natural timing of that happening and like whatever was going on behind the scenes. So you and I became very close in planning that. And, um, then we started really I think that's when we actually started hanging out though, like outside, you know, podcasts and different things like that. Um, it was always, I just remember like any, like any great friendships. It was always like, I felt, I felt very not wine and dined by you guys, but just very much like, Oh, they want me to come to the show. They're putting me on the list. Like let's fucking go. Right. Well, and, um, but then, yeah, like you said, then the time came. I I had talked to Ferris a, a completely separate from your situation. Yeah. Like just in general, before I probably before I even met you guys. Yeah. I talked to the guy at the spy about we this. You should have a rap show. Like right. there needs to be a hip hop show. Yeah. I never in a million years thought I would create right. and host yeah. the hip hop show, but yeah. I was like, you just there needs to be one. And so then whenever I met you and the whole, I mean, I met you and Dan and Baylor. Right. I was like, they have, this has got to be it. And I just right. knew in my head, it was this perfect like puzzle piece. I was like, we need a rap show. These guys know more about rap than anyone I've ever met. Right. It has to work. The and top- eventually he, I, eventually he was like, yeah, you can do it. He was like, but you have to be like a part of it yeah. on some level. Yeah, he, yeah, didn't yeah. Wanna, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, he didn't want to touch it. No, no, no. He was like, you handle it. He's trusting me to handle it. Right. And yeah. No. And which was, and it was, it all took place two weeks, but it was supposed to just be like an online show and it happened two weeks before they got picked up by FM. And yeah. so that just got slid into that spot. So we t- started planning and kind of doing, we at least saw each other once a week and then we really started hanging out doing a lot of other stuff from, well, that was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was, I started feeling like, oh, they want me to come to the show. So I kept going yeah. to shows. And then from that shows, it was like, we'll come to the after party. We'll yeah. come to the after party and hang out. And, and then, then we were just hanging out a lot. Then we got introduced to Bo and started going to his house at three in the morning and so at his birthday parties and that was that you know like you can't you can't come back from a bow birthday party uh so that's kind of how we know each other uh now i'm gonna say a bunch of reasons why basically i love you um 
So you consistently, th th this is probably um, the one I've realized the most recently is you can because it's something yeah because uh, it's something i i struggle with sometimes that i that i feel like i'm good at and then i feel like i'm not because I, I have tons of ideas i think you're really good at putting thought to action um whether it's being a comedian being a dj hosting trivia live reading of the oc uh changing your exercise regimen um changing your social circle uh changing probably some of your um you know political or social views over the past like five to 10 years. You know what I mean? I don't, um, it kind of feeds into my, my next thing is, uh, you have a growth mindset. Um, I, I never would have really considered, don't, please don't take this the wrong way. I never would have considered <laughs> you as someone who would box regularly or run near marathon distances regularly. I, not that I didn't think you could do it. It's just, no, I, I completely understand. I, I don't, I, I never thought that. No, so. absolutely. And I think that's, that, that's cool. Um, and again, it's, that's not to say I underestimate you, but it's those parts of your personality and determination kind of emerged and have continued to blossom. I think a lot of people um, are really good at getting motivated and doing something. I don't think they're good at continuing to do it when they're less motivated, even though it's still supposed to be part of that motivated plan. You know, like, hey, I'm going to lose weight. And you're like, okay, I can eat great for two weeks. And then that third week, you're like, shit, you know, into a month long plan. Mm. So, um, those are, those, those are the top two things, uh, not even top two, just like the, the, the ones that stick out to me. <laughs> so the, um, you're, you're ranking them. Yeah, yeah. 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 I will just say that like, I, I have always, thank you by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, of course I have always been like, I'll get, I've always been like an ideas person and then, cause a lot of people are ideas people. Then it's like, you right. execute those Execution's ideas. hard. Right. I've always been an ideas person and I've always been like a, um, I've always been like, I think I said this before. I'm like a big New Year's Eve, like resolutions yeah, 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 person. Yeah. You did it's my favorite that. holiday. I, and like, I am very good at sticking to my resolutions. My resolutions this year was to get into boxing. Right. And to invest more, which is not <laughs> going well, but I, I did. I am doing it though. Hey, good for um, you. But I get ideas of things I want to do. Like I knew six months before I recorded my car, I was like, I want to make a comedy album. Mm hmm. Or at least the idea was floating around in my head. And I know when the idea is floating around in my head, I'm going to do it eventually. It's just right. a matter of, I know now is not the time. How, how do you know, how, how do you know there's a difference between like a momentary like idea or fleeting? It's usually when something, when I know something is not like a coincidence, like literally when I was trying to think of a hip hop show, right? right? Like that was an idea in my head. But then uh -huh. I also, a couple of weeks later, met you guys and it was right. like, okay, this is right, not, this right, is not right. a coincidence. Like this has to happen now. Okay. So it was like when I knew I was thinking about doing a comedy album, but then I saw some of my friends making comedy albums right. and, they, and I was like, oh, this is doable. Like uh -huh. I should, I should do it. I should yeah, try it. Absolutely. Right. And I just remember that time in my life in particular in 2015, like I already knew our old, no fun intended had ended Uh huh. at the same time I was working on making this comedy what album. year did y'all start that we started the first version of it in 2008 visionary well like yeah i was very early into podcasts like i wow loved i'll i'll give you that i i would almost say i was a late adopter and i'm like 2012 you know i was listening to podcasts in right after high school i was listening to podcasts wow. in 2005 six good for you i used to be very i had a phase of being very into the technology scene like okay. just like following tech news and like when especially when the iphone stuff was coming out and like all these uh -huh. like the web 2.0 bubble was blown up 
So I was listening to like tech podcasts. Tech people were the first ones to to get into podcasts. Yeah. So I was listening to was, technology podcasts. And Bill Simmons, and that was it. And I Rogan. I didn't really. Yeah, I never got into some Simmons or Rogan yeah. that much. I mean, Simmons a little bit later, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I actually interviewed on in like 2018. I finally interviewed my like tech podcast like idol guy. Really? Who like, was it? Tw- his name's Leo Laporte. Okay. Um. And it was like 13 years later, but it was still, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe, I used to listen to you like three times a week. Anyway, I just know when I get ideas of things that like, oh, I want to do this and I know now's not the time, but I'm going to stick a pin in it and I'm going to come back to it. Because I remember No Fun Intended ended. I had already talked to Ferris at the Spy about like, I want to show, like, I'm not right. just going to stop doing this. Like, right. I yeah, need yeah. something. We were still doing Paradigm at the time. Yeah. But I was like, I still need my thing. Like, what's yeah, the no, thing totally, that totally. I want? And he was like, well, let's talk about it. So I knew in the back of my head, there's going to be a new radio show. But I also had to do this what comedy was the album. other one called? State uh, of the Art. State of the Art. I, I thought that was a great name. That's a great name, I know. I was yeah. very proud of that yeah, one. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> It's name. downhill from there. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just knew that, like, I got to do the comedy album first. And once uh-huh. the album's done, then I'm going to really focus in on this radio show. But I guess I just always know in the future, like, what the next thing is going to be for the okay. most part. Even. Have you always been like that? Or is that something that, like, you had to... Like worked like were there missed opportunities where you're like I gotta start doing shit? Or... I don't know. I don't know if I've always been like that. I just know one day I just realized it. Cool. When I was because doing comedy shows, like you have ideas for different comedy shows you want to do, and I was like, why don't I just do that comedy show? Like it's so right. different. Let's see if it works or not. Right. Sometimes people in New York get very upset when you do that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, there was just different versions of that. Like I knew Spencer and I did a couple of different types of specific comedy shows. We did a Twitter live. Uh, did not get sued by twitter thank god or um but like that was just an idea that no, I it's had, a good it's a good idea that's uh, what i'm saying like i just knew in in my head like one day i'm gonna do that and then we did it uh and then you did the roast that was really cool for your birthday that takes nuts I don't that's think- one that i yeah i mean they're not all hits yeah <laughs> the roast was fun the roast was fun but yeah. i just wish i know it's kind of a douchey thing to do and now you look back on it now you're like why did i have a roast yeah, for myself whatever. you know well, like, yeah i'm not at, like, at the time though like there was probably no other time to do it you know for you uh, where it would have been a, like it, you were you had a foot in the comedy scene a lot more in the music scene and different yeah. things, you know so i think like you got to pull from a bunch of different areas and stuff like that uh and we're gonna jump back to uh like i want to talk about the comedy thing hosting djing i got all, all sorts of fun questions uh but i'm I'm going to continue to introduce various things about you that i admire and that have influenced me oh yes please yeah absolutely Go on. so um <laughs> The growth mindset thing is uh, something I I also have, so I think it's just something I appreciate when I see it in others. Uh, Something I think I thought I was good at, and then you showed me that I could do better, was uh, you're not not afraid to be vulnerable, privately or publicly. And I remember very vividly reading a post uh, about you going to therapy and trying it and, you know, really doing wonders for you and different things like that. And it was not really long after that. It was kind of a timing thing where I was like kind of probably experiencing the most anxiety I'd ever had. And I just didn't know what to do. I was like, I got to talk to somebody because everyone I want to talk to, my parents, my brother, like, it's not that they don't get it, but I just know that I can't say what I want to say. And I don't even know what I want to say. I need someone who can listen and pull it out of me, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I, I just had never even looked into therapy. So well, that's another one of the things where like two things happened. You're like, okay, this isn't like, there's something here. Right. You right. Got right. To figure it, it out now. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I was like, and you know, I, I have this funny perspective on the phrase uh, of the, if that person can do it, I can do it. You either admire that person and want to be like them, or you think they're an idiot. And if they can do it, 
there's no way you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so th yeah. to me, there's no in between. Right. So right. I had the like admiration part with you. I was like, if he can do it, then like, what am I, you know, doing? Like, why would I not go to therapy? And it, it's easily one of the things that changed and can like, and continues to change my life for sure. Um, the other thing I, uh, I think, I think you're a very good friend. Uh, and we've kind of, we, 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 we kind of touched on it before uh the podcast earlier you know uh you and i don't necessarily need to talk all the time to be in sync or i don't think that's necessarily our um friendship is to chat every day uh we'll, we'll make like the appropriate jokes that i think would, would make the other person laugh but it's not like a necessary check-in like temperature type thing you know what's funny enough is i think there is this internal like clock that goes off in either one of us sometimes because we've both sent the Hey, let's just like get dinner or hang out, you know, like yeah. I want to talk, you know, and um I don't have that with a lot of people and I think making friends when you're older is very very tough. Um especially here because people tend to have lifelong friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like just their thing. You know what I mean? And I have a couple of, I mean my brother's my best friend, Dan, I went to high school with, but like Blev would be considered a new friend and I've been friend with him, friends with him for 10 years. Same with you, you know. So, um and the reason I think you're a good friend is you, you show up, um, for like little shit and, uh, and, and the big stuff, like you were there for, you know, graduation and engagement. Um, you know, uh, not, there were uh, some very close friends of mine that I didn't hear from and I, I'm not mad at them, you know, but it's like, wow, he showed up, you know, and it's not that I didn't expect you to by any means, but like, I do notice those things. Um, you know, and I, I know you do things that eat into your time when you're not a hundred percent sure what they may be uh example a this podcast example b our other podcast or any other like weird idea i've hit you up about like hey can i like talk to you about something and you know talk it through um you know anything we've ever tried out like musically with a podcast and many other things um you've at least gone the improv route and gone okay and then you know and at least like seen it through to the next step until it was a bad idea so <laughs> I will say that, like, that's actually super nice. That means a lot, actually, because I have made it a point to cultivate good friendships. Where I used to be more like, I used to be more like, um, I wanted, I, I, I knew a lot of people. Mm -hmm. We just talked about somebody else in the same situation. Right. Like, I knew a lot of people. Quantity over quality. Yeah, I was, I just knew a ton of people, but, mm -hmm. like, I didn't really know any of them. Well, attention feels good. Attention's different than, like, friendship, right? Right, like, yeah, exactly. You know. But, like, yeah. I've done a good job of cultivating a good group. Of, and I've done a good job of separating myself from people that I knew right. for, for years. That I was like, you know what? This is not for me anymore. Like, these people are... That's hard. It's super hard. Like, it's... I struggled bad with it, like, oh, last man. year. Like, I don't know if you... So, one, I was just going to say that... Our friend, shout out to Katie Wicks, our friend Katie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's told me just recently, like within the last six months, I saw her and we hung out and I was, and I just remember specifically her texting me like, you know, thanks for hanging out. I had a great time. Seemed like you're doing well. And you seem like you have a really good group of friends. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, yeah, that's what I want. And I'm glad that I do. And that and so just you have someone want. like her notice it. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, that's crazy that you yeah. even considered to say that. Because I know now at our age, that's like hard to do. Oh, man. But oh. like the other thing I was going to say, based on what you said about us not, you know, having to talk every day, but yeah. like we have gone long periods of time without talking or hanging oh, yeah. out. But like I said, last year specifically was a big moment for me 
mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a pandemic, but there was a big moment as far as evalu- reevaluating my yeah. social everything. Yeah. Like I started realizing like, you know what? These people that I consider my best friends are really not my best friends. Mm. I just think they are because I see them a lot, but like they don't give a shit about me. Right. Right. And that's when I started in the fall. I mean, you and I have seen each other so much more, so much more in the past nine months. Mm-hmm. And that's around the time I started thinking in my head, like who, who are the people that I really enjoy spending time with who I think like spending time with me right. that like has a very reciprocal yeah. vibe to it. That's not just someone invited me to their house. I'm going to go to their house and then sit there and not give a shit about anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, and so that's when I re I mean, that's when I reconnected with you guys and I was like, I want to like hang out. And I did that with a lot of people. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just you. Well, no, I, I but, think like, that- I reconnected with a lot of older people that I hadn't seen or talked to in a long time and like brought them into like my daily friendship life Good. basically. I, and I think that's a natural thing in, correct me if i'm wrong but i assume that um a lot of those probably tapered out at the end of comedy or at the end of something else. like the end of our show ended our weekly hangout right you know so i mean like different things happen life goes on you know there's people i mean i have good friends that i saw four times a week that i don't i see i don't know once every three months you know and I care about them, but it's also like it's easier to keep them at a certain distance because, like you said, I have a better assessment of where I fit into their life. You know, like your inner circle, I, I think I'm learning should be uh, the most reciprocative, you know, reciprocal um, friendships. You know, the ones that are most beneficial to you, the ones that you're most beneficial to the others that you get, you know, there's a lot of love and care between the uh, the people and you well, know just like like the the big thing for me last year was realizing i was putting a lot of effort into relationships that were in, in friendships and romantic right that were not reciprocating back and i was like okay and it took me forever and i realized my entire life i've given so much more than i've gotten yeah and it like that just all hit me like a ton of bricks one day it was like labor day weekend last year i don't i will never forget it i just had this like meltdown like almost like a crisis of like holy shit i've been a giver and i've given to so many people that just don't really give a shit about me Mm -hmm. and why Mm -hmm. did i do that and that's when i was like okay i'm gonna fix this I'm going to, I'm going to re recultivate my social circle and like put effort into people that I feel like are worth putting effort into because I know that they will reciprocate and put that effort back into me. Absolutely. And what's funny is, um, it doesn't take a lot of effort. You know what I mean? It's not like it's this like arduous thing. It's just like, you know, I, I know my, the close people in my life, like, um, I don't try and put them in positions where they have to like take time out of their day or like deviate from what they're doing, you know, to think about me or do something for me. But I know they would because a, they've proven that over time and B, I would do it for that. You know what I mean? So it's just like this thing you kind of learn, um, and develop over time. It, what's funny is I have, uh, on some of my questions for you are like, what makes a good friend and different things like that. What, what, what do you think makes a good friend? We'll just jump into that right now. I mean, based on what I just said, it would be that kind of like reciprocity is probably, I mean, it's mutual, right? Like it's, it's not, Hey, I need something or, yeah, or it's not just, I have, I had a lot of, I mean, I had people that I considered my best friends, right? My best friends that I realized. What did you realize? They like, Oh, I'm not, I think that this person's one of my two best friends in the world, but I'm not in his top 10. Wow. You know what I mean? Was there a moment or was it just like, there was a moment. Um, I mean, we're not going to get, no, 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 but no. there was, yes. Yeah. And, and did, I was, it, did it give you like <clears throat> hindsight? Like, did it break the glass and you just like look back and you're like, oh shit, it's always, always been like this. 
Or was it something you'd always kind of been thinking about and then there wasn't something that tipped it over the edge? I think I was more afraid of just like, well, I can't, I, I need friends. Like, I'm not just going right. to, right? Like, I don't want to not have friends. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. go with the flow, right? Right. And then I realized that like, oh, I, I had the conversation with someone that was like, if I ever do get married, who would like your, who would like your best man be or yeah. something? And I was like, oh, fuck. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of, I have an idea now, but right. at the time I was like, oh, probably this person would be in my way and this person and this person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, this person didn't have me in their wedding like why right. would i right and i was like not that that has to no, be no, no, not no, that right. that has to be reciprocal yeah and but, when we say uh reciprocity it's not like tit for tat it's more just like hey i helped you move in the rain the other day uh would you do me a favor and go feed my dog you know what i mean or something yeah. like that or like hey you know i gotta take a road trip will you ride with me just different thing you know like you're just there or spending time showing up at things you know like spending your time to hang out with someone i, I, th- I so good I was gonna say I just value I, I think I value it's not even that I value my time more. I just value the time that Again, people it's quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. I value the time the limited amount of time people have in their day to do anything. So if they go out of their way to do something that they don't have to do for me, I am just like over the moon, like thank you so much. And I don't think I was always that appreciative earlier in my life. I thought it was just you did shit for people and everybody did shit for people and that's how it was. And then you come across people that prove you wrong and you're like, oh, okay, well maybe we're not as good as friends as uh, I may have thought, or like, like you said, uh, I, I may not even crack your top 10, you know, like, or if there was something that pointed you in a different direction that left me out of your life, I'm not a hundred percent sure that you'd give it a second thought, you know? Um, right. and that's a sobering realization. You know, it's kind of tough. It was terrifying for me. It's awful. Yeah, I know. It really was like, I had a, like a meltdown. (laughs) Like, I'm not kidding. And, um, it coincided with me, uh, the career change too, like the music stuff. So it was like, I'm everybody, everybody I know, like nobody even wants to hang out with me anymore. You know? Yeah. I, the other thing I was going to say was that part of it, I do feel like was my fault. Absolutely. Like I took responsibility for being like, you know, Mm -hmm. I like, these are the people that I spend a lot of time with. I I go to their house, I'll come to my house, we party on the weekends. Like that's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you text your group or whatever. You say, Hey, let's go party right. somewhere and you go party somewhere. But then you're like, But does this person really give a shit about me? I don't right. think they do. But you hit a point where that matters. It doesn't matter sometimes, right? Right. Um, you hit a point where it does matter. And I was like, Oh, I don't think that they really care about me. I know that we spend a lot of time around mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're close good friends, right? No. But the other part of it was me going, Okay, but I'm sure I also contributed to that by yeah. acting a type of way that was maybe too like uh, to whatever yep. just to let them know that like i know that we're not friends so i'm gonna let you know that i know we're not right, good friends type right. of thing yeah. yeah um and i've really shied away from that especially in the last like year and like let my good friends know like hey i appreciate everything yeah here. like that's yeah. important to me yeah absolutely and those other people i'm still i mean i still see them they're still friends we still talk sometimes but they're not like i don't put any more effort into that than they put into me i uh, and, I, and i will keep track of that <laughs> yeah oh no i it, and it's not like it's a tally you know a tally thing but i mean like there are tra- you notice if it's trending a direction you know and that yeah. you're like hmm, that was weird May, may have just been an off day and then if it continues like what the fuck's going on you know and you can either confront it or you can't you just have to make that decision is this person worth you know being in my life or not um it reminds me of something my dad told me about uh romantic relationships he i was always like available to talk on the phone i was quick to text back you know and he was like why don't you just wait he's like i'm not saying play games just 
don't always be so available so you can understand where you stand with them. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Um, I like this person and I want them to like me and I think they like me. So why am I not going to talk to them and, you know, tell them mm-hmm. my great, th- you know, different things like that. And, you know, again, we go, it goes back to those little cliche type things. And he, it, it, he was right on, you know, uh, once, once I took a step back and, and, and not like stepped out of m- me characteristically, you know, I didn't do anything out of character. It was more just, I wasn't always there at the drop of a hat for everyone in my life, you know? And then once I developed a little bit of balance, you kind of realize who's still going to be there. You know, when you can't start, when you can't provide every little thing for them, when it's just like not give, 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 you know, and there's no take or anything like that. So I totally get it. Um, Making friends is hard, like drawing those lines for yourself, getting out of friendships that you've been in forever, real hard. But but making friends hasn't been that hard for me. It's keeping good friends. Keeping good friends. Or building good friendships, I guess. Right. Right. Like, yeah, I guess it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, but also what your dad said, like I, that's a thing I still deal with now. Like it, May twenty twenty one, right, buddy? It's like I agree. It's like if you want to talk to someone, you should be able to talk to someone. Yeah, but at the same time, you know that, like, okay, I need to make sure that they're worth talking to. And one way you can do that is making yeah. sure that they are gonna because well, part of reach is, out to you at some point in time. Because a hundred percent, because you know how you feel when you are not being responded to. Right. Mm-hmm. You and so you don't take that into consideration when it is your time to respond because you're just like, no way I want them to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, That's I'm exactly not, right. Yeah. And, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not a game player. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it just because they did it. But sometimes that's how it has to be. You, it, it, you have to at least hold a mirror up to some degree and be like, this is kind of what this moment, this, the, this current relationship feels like, are you cool with this? You know? And if not, we can change it. If you are totally fine, it's not necessarily the speed I'm going, you know, but until you, I think introspection is really hard when it comes, uh, part of making friends is like drawing lines and certain things and like having disagreements. And I think that's hard with new people like to do that comfortably to disagree and be like ah you know like when things are going well you just kind of want to go along to get along mm-hmm. not cause a confrontation because it's like your old friends you're like no i think that's fucking stupid mm-hmm. you know and i'll tell you why with new people are like mm. unless it like crosses that egregious line to where you'll write them off and you don't care how they feel you just kind of go with the current and that yeah, I, I just think that's really interesting but i will say i do respect a pr- like i will re- i will notice and like kind of respect a new person like if i go out we yes. go, if we go out somewhere and we hang out with someone we meet a cool person and we're talking to them and i say something and they're like actually i don't agree with that i'm like I i'm totally like oh my god i love you okay let's do this like no you know? I, I i completely agree yeah. that stands out to the point where it's like oh okay yeah you know we're here to talk you're not here to because most people you it, that's the default to, mode to me that says i'm invested in whatever's happening in front of me i'm not just gonna agree with you so we can go right. to a bar and get another right. drink that, that even if it's as simple as like hey i actually just heard what you said and that sucks you that's know, why like, i have so many like jokey antagonistic relationships with some of my friends because i like to just like argue oh. with them because it's it's fun it, to me coming from a comedy background anyway yeah. you roast the people that like you love and Absolutely. you respect the most and like that's what i try to do with those friends is like i yeah. know everyone else is going to just do normal friendships i want to be the person that like takes you in a different direction yeah absolutely um that's one of the things i love about you it's one of the things i love about roosh um he's a very against the grain friend you know a lot of people don't want to hear the absolute truth a hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. and he'll do it you know and 
uh for better or worse that's how it goes and it's almost always for better like at least i know i'm getting the straight of it you know and that there's there's value in that so before we kind of jump into more interview stuff with you i want to continue flattering you uh, please you want to do alan or ali first or do you want to talk about the uh, so uh I just to preface both have this, the same like first names almost i just realized that anyway yeah sorry lead, a, lead away <laughs> no you're good so to preface this uh each guest provides me with a list of about two to five maybe uh more maybe less people that they know don't know uh that have been inspirational influential provided I sent you a list like that I, I mean i remember you asking me to do this yeah. I'm not saying, I, but i don't remember sending you like a list of people yeah a provided motivation uh in some kind of way you said uh ali and ferris ferris oh uh, uh, yeah yeah if he emails me i will read what he had to say later <laughs> um but we got ali and alan for sure and uh-huh. then you also told me mark hoppus tina fey and donald glover oh wow so, yeah interesting okay so we this was to... a while ago i truly don't remember yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But that, I, that well, list is correct but yeah, yes. yeah no and that's great that's great um do you want to do uh people you know first or do you want to do the uh, other three you don't uh whatever i don't care cool let's go uh let's go donald glover i think that's a, that's a yeah. good place to smart start with so, um Okay, uh, just a real quick introduction. Actor, rapper, comedian, Childish Gambino. He was on Community, Atlanta. His biggest song is This Is America. Uh, Camp is one of his albums. Was the internet is dead or what? Because the internet. Because the internet, yeah. Um, just a lot of... What, what was his mixtape? The really Royalty. Good, Royalty, thank you. Royalty yeah. was a great mixtape. Yeah. Um, really talented guy odds are if you consume uh american pop culture in any way shape or form over the last five years honestly the last 10 you have an idea of who donald glover is he was also lando young lando calrissian in the han solo movie so big guy uh really entertaining um i guess the two quick questions are when did you discover donald glover and what about him inspires you or has influenced you uh i discovered him Right before he was on Community, so like Derek Comedy, uh, Derek through Derek Comedy and through um, fuck, what's that first mixtape? Not Poindexter, it was after Poindexter. Oh, I know what you're talking um, about Cold Sac. Cold Sac, yes. So this is when this is around that time that you and I had met mm-hmm. a little bit before, probably. Uh-huh. But like I was getting like that same era of music that was popping off on like the blogs. We call it the right. blog era, right? And like he was a huge part of that. Huge Tim, for me. I mean, he was a huge part of it overall, but for me, he was like my number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever, I think I was almost not afraid, but just like, I mean, I loved Childish Gambino for a while and I, not that I was afraid to like bring it up to you guys, but I just thought that like you guys (laughs) thought that he wasn't cool, you know? So I never really brought it. I never played him. I never played him on the radio show or anything. And I do specifically have a very strong memory of being at a paradigm show at the blue note. It was a Josh Lee show and like a bunch Uh of other people. It was when royalty had come out and Blev was playing um the one where he uh talks about Blake Griffin, I'm I'm sure. Uh oh fuck, what's that song? Open Sesame. That one It's gonna drive me insane. You know what I'm talking about? No, that's no, that was Freaks and Geeks. That was from the Freaks EP. Geeks, that was from the EP yeah, that yeah, came yeah. out before Royalty. Was it Black Faces? With Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle? Hustle? No. Okay. Um it was the other big song from Royalty. I can't remember what it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um that's gonna drive me insane. <laughs> um anyway, Blev played it that night and that was the first thing that clicked in my head i was like oh shit he's cool (laughs) okay great like i know that now (laughs) um anyway uh so all right so you you caught you caught on him early saw the progression got really hyped 
Wait, tell me the name of the song. I have. It's gonna uh, I'm, drive I'm, me insane. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up. Royalty. Right now. Um, Let's see. There's royalty. We ain't them. One up. Black faces. Unne- unnecessary. Unnecessary. That's what it was. Boy. That's the one. That's the one. It's unnecessary. unnecessary. Yeah. Bluff played unnecessary that night, and I, I was like, oh, okay, it's cool to like this. Okay. But the, like, anyway, so yeah, I found him just through that, and I, I mean, this might be controversial. I don't no, know. Go for it. First of all, I could say a lot about Donald Glover. Obviously, first of all, it's pretty wild to me that he's not one of those people that people have went back in time and been like oh he should be canceled because he said some wild shit have you seen uh what's funny is i did a little uh i was like has he been in the news recently you know i did that for most of these people um oh i saw him tweeting about being canceled on television culture. yeah he, he was well saying, he was talking about i that's the thing he just he's really good about yeah. being vague enough that yeah. like some people thought he talked and he was talking about being canceled yeah. in society other people yeah. thought he was about being canceled as a tv show oh, he used to do some wild shit he said some sh- crazy. He's, he shit. said the f word multiple oh my God, times. Yeah, multiple like, times. Cold especially like. Yeah. But but to me that was very accessible to a nerdy white guy. Totally, because that's who he. I mean, totally. I we he and I like. I mean, not, we're not. I've never met him. We're not friends. But like, we connected on that level. Right. He was making crazy like sci-fi references in his raps, and I was like, okay, I know what that means. And he was also he did he did two whole mixtapes. I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper too just based there was they were all samples of like indie rock songs like right. animal collective and shit like that's you fun stevens so you felt like some similar like well i felt like yeah this is the rapper that i like because he likes animal stuff collective you like. and Stephen stevens and he right. raps about nerdy shit right and so i was very into it and then as he slowly evolved i mean mm-hmm. he was on community he was also did comedy i did comedy right, right? so what, I was what like, year did you start comedy 2009 okay so like right when community came out yeah yeah but like he was on an nbc show that was created by tina fey or was had had some input by tina fey um he was a writer on 30, 30 rock, rock and then he was on community mm-hmm. so i just there are all these things of different parts of my life were like i can't together. believe he was never on saturday night live what a layup he auditioned what a layup he cr- he would have crushed it but oh yeah i think it's better off than he was yeah i i agree but wow he did great hosting yeah but the, um Sorry, I think I'm talking too long, but no, 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 no. This he, like, there's so many different parts of my life as far as like, oh, he's rapping about these things I like. He's like, right. he's got some connection with Tina Fey, who I love and obsessed with. He's um, a comedian, which is a huge thing. And I just, he really drew that music and comedy thing together in a way that I was really trying to do at the time. Right now, I'm now I think it's a terrible idea. Right, right. but at the time, I was like, this is what we need. This is when I was doing the stuff on the spy, and I was yeah. like, I want to do comedy, but I also want to do music. Uh-huh. Um. So he was just such a big part. He was just like the the thing I looked up to as far as that was concerned. I didn't want to be a rapper, but like he showed you. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you're saying he showed you that or he showed you the path to creative diversity that you thought. Yeah, well, I was going to say was that I didn't. We just talked about him a second ago, Joe Rogan, but like I don't yeah. really like Joe Rogan, but I've oh, always man. I've what always respected the hell out of him for doing stand-up comedy podcast stand-up comedy podcast acting hosting yeah. fear factor mma commentary which i think that's so cool that one person could do all of it. i don't think he's very good at any of it but i think it's cool <laughs> he's 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 pretty good at mma uh if i had to pick one he that would be it his comedy is completely like whatever to me but uh, i just him and donald glover yeah. were coming up at, no, quote, quote, at the same time and i was looking at both of them like shit that's so cool they can do all of these things I and that's what agree. I wanted to do on just on, I didn't want to be a rapper, but I wanted to be right. involved in music and I wanted to do comedy and like also be involved with hosting things and TV shows right. or whatever. So, but like also his music was so at the time for me being like a 22, 23 year old nerdy, dorky, whatever, right. like drunk party guy. Yeah. 
like I just connected with his early music so hard. And then, but then as he evolved, his music, as he evolved, his music became less for me. I, I get that. And like more for his current audience, which is great. But like, by the time because the internet came out, I was kind of like, okay, this isn't for me anymore. This is right. more about like the black experience, which right. I, it's not for right. me. But I, so that was kind of when I kind of quit. I didn't fuck with him as mm-hmm. much, but I will say, I think I texted you about it last summer that like, because the internet popped back up in my life, yeah, literally did. last year, yeah, you're like, it's because of dissect on Spotify, yeah. like the podcast. Yeah. They did like 16 episodes about because the internet. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. We're in a pandemic. And I started right. listening to it again. And I was like, shit, this yeah. album was so ahead of its time. And like, it's so good now. He's, su- he's super talented. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I don't know what to think about him. Um, I, I have interesting thoughts about Atlanta. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's also a tad overrated. Um, in, in certain areas, I think, um, I, I don't even necessarily think the best thing about Atlanta is Donald Glover. Um, I think it's Paperboy. I think he's... Oh, I was going to say, I think it's the other or, guy. Or Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, I think it's Lakeith yeah, Stanfield. Yeah, point being, I, I don't think... Ta- I get he's so involved that his fingerprints are all over, but I don't, I don't think but he's... he's also good. I mean, in the same way that Kanye West, I've always thought he's good about surrounding himself with correct. the right people to correct. make that's that, and that's, succeed. That, that matters. You yeah. know, I think that that's its own skill. And Zazie Beats, I like more than him on that show. Oh, she's incredible. Gosh, she's so good. You yeah. know, so it's like, he's coming in fourth. Uh, Black Justin Bieber's coming in fourth and Donald Glover's f- fifth, you know, on his own show. <laughs> Justice. <laughs> that's wild. But he, uh, I am looking forward to the third and fourth season. He's just so talented. Um, I, I think Troy on community was just his perfect role though. Like at the time, like it, at that age for him was so good, but it, uh, I, I had a feeling it was like the um, diversity of cre- creativity for him. That's yeah. Com- I was watching someone do sketch comedy and then evolve that into a, a small, because I remember when he started touring like small clubs, I was yeah. watching videos on YouTube of like childish can live at some 200 person club. And it was, I was like so excited to like watch him do something live. I'll never forget he did Bonnaroo 2011. That's the first time I saw him. I remember that he did it in his boxers. Yeah. And like Alan, who I'm sure we'll talk about, yeah. and I, Alan was like so drunk and I dragged <laughs> him to the very front. And oh, it was wow. the first time I saw Donald Glover and it was just so like, oh my God. Awesome. Yeah. It was so great. And, but like, yeah, from there we've gone a little, we've, our, path, our yeah, paths have branched in different directions. Yeah. But I mean, like if you think about all the time, that's when you were heavy in comedy. And like you said, trying to branch out and do different things. So that makes a lot of sense. Also, he was just really fucking cool. Like, oh, I, there, there was a minute where he, he had like Will Smith and Kanye energy, you know, at the same yeah. kind of time where he was yeah. just like moonwalking with house money. Um, no, he, he he's super fucking cool and i think i think he can get that back almost anytime he wants but Mm -hmm. it's a new landscape uh let's go to uh mark hoppus i thought this was interesting yeah mark hoppus specifically blink 182 blink 182 specifically mark hoppus blink 182 is my favorite band of all time okay i just i've always loved them but the reason i think they're my favorite band of all time is they were to me i got into blink 182 in the late 90s a little bit before they blew i kind of kind of the same with donald glover a little bit before he blew up right like dude ranch i was listening to i remember when dude damn it, i remember when damn it came out and was getting yeah. played like overnight on mtv and i was like who's this band and they were the first band that i really grabbed onto as my own that wasn't right. i wasn't like influenced by another friend like i was the one who felt like i was the one who brought blink 182 to my friends i wasn't awesome. bringing something to me not a good feeling yeah especially when they fucking loved it and they right. we got we were all just like when two fans mine was kid cuddy yeah i showed that kid cuddy to all my friends okay i felt great about it i yeah. still feel great about it you're right like when people who heard about kid cuddy and norman from around 2009 
2008, 2009, they heard that at my house. So I feel great about it. That's and, crazy. And that's, that's how you should one. feel about Blink-182. It's, isn't that funny? It's like uh, another funny little... Well, it's something that you like, like really pops off. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, a lot of people don't like it, but I think it's great. <laughs> love it. Rich Gaines, uh, he was the manager of the Cool Kids. Uh, I, had to t- I had to drive Mikey Rocks and Rich to Dallas because uh, one of the cars on their tour broke down. And we listened to Kendrick Lamar, uh, the Kendrick Lamar EP uh, on the way there. And neither of them had ever even heard Kendrick's name. And it's like, what? You haven't? And then it's like Kendrick turned into Kendrick, you know, within eight months. But it's like, wow. After you were in his music video. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That's true. That's true. You were the gateway to success. Yeah, yeah. we were the three dead white boys that he stepped over um, symbolically. Uh, okay. So Mark, uh, fun fact about Mark Hoppus, uh, his father's name is Tex and he mm-hmm. worked for the department of defense designing missiles. Mark's dad did. Yes. I did not know that. How about that? That's incredible. But so what I was going to say about Blink-182 though, yeah. is that like at the time of my life when I discovered them and then they went on to become, you know, what's wild. And I'm sure we'll talk about this when we talk about Allie and Alan as mm-hmm. well, is that those three things in particular right. started off as things I would experience and be like i don't like this like what the, i don't like this like i do actively do not like this right like the first time i saw blink i was like this sucks like i was right. listening to something else and then the more i just saw them around or i heard i saw a music video or that's I heard... how i felt about future really oh my god baylor told me about future he was like this is it and i i'd say i went eight months i was like he's terrible <laughs> like i'm not excited about flying back from new york to do this show with privilege and josh opening for future this sucks but i'm so broke i have to be there privilege. and do it this sucks next year he's like one of the biggest rappers ever but i remember texting baylor at like 2 30 in the morning one night and was like i fucking get it i love future and then like since then you know like when it switches it's like but like you were saying there's the, there was like some initial resistance to it which is funny there was something that happened it was before enema of the state but like they were on a thing i think it was on mtv but they just they had won some like fake award like there was mm-hmm. like a literally almost like a trl type of thing where people were voting on like who their favorite band is right now or whatever and blink 1 over like limp biscuit or something right and i was like fuck that they're not even a real <laughs> i was like they're not even a real rock band like i thought kid rock was rock and roll right. not blink 182 like i was mad and but then like within two months but then i saw them and like they i saw them like actually right. speaking and talking and i was like oh they're really funny and then i just got deeper and deeper into the music and i was like okay they're my favorite band but the thing that i really latched onto was how their live album in particular how self-deprecating they were i how, love a good self-deprecation but like how much that humor. helped me at the time really? of my life when i needed to learn that because really? i was not in a good place i mean i went through years of not being in good places throughout yeah. my childhood and even my adulthood but at that what, time what in did, particular what did that stem around you will not have to talk about it if you don't want but. just insecurities just being very overweight and like having terrible acne and terrible hair and like yeah. having being the biggest person like being I the hate. tallest person yeah were like you the everyone, tallest oh yeah. yeah everyone wants to fight you all the time when you're the tallest person in your middle school that's ridiculous and yeah. so just like that the insecurity of feeling like oh my god everyone's always looking at me and then learning through blink 182 to like just lean into it to self-deprecate yeah. and like make the joke before they make the joke totally. and then they laugh and they think you're funny and like i learned that from them you know it's funny what i learned that from was uh eight mile dead ass serious <laughs> very different experience yeah yeah we definitely did just be rabbit that shit well uh the other uh, i mentioned chris farley earlier he very oh, much yeah. he very much influenced like my early humor it was like 
get out and own it be the loud like fun person so why would you like they would look like a jackass or a mean person like hating for not liking you yeah for not like you know it's like just own it yeah kind of play into what people like and there was a period of my life where it was like i played into what people expected of me because like i'm sure as a comedian you know you get addicted to that laugh you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You get addicted to the like, oh, that's what people like about me. I'm going to do that all the time. So everyone likes me. That's how I am all the time. And, you know, I was like, I don't like getting hot and sweaty. And I was like, I don't even really like being big. <laughs> you know, Like I'd right. like to change. There's so many other things about me. You're like the fat, funny guy. And you're like, yeah, I'm the fat, funny guy. And then you're like that for a long time. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm over it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% I agree yeah, completely. And, and that's hard. But so like, Blink-182 helped you with that? Yeah, that's why they're my favorite band. Like they their impact on my life as far as any other musical act was so much more than anything else i've ever experienced like that's so and it's almost all because of their personalities more than, you, i mean we, their music is awesome i love their music but like their personalities more than anything was what like drew me in i was like oh my god you can be like them like they yeah. were they were also very cool super cool. and they were also talking about just like how small their dicks were yeah, or whatever. and i right. was like oh people think that's hilarious if you lean if you I just remember specifically hearing someone say, you make the joke before someone else makes, makes the joke about you. Like, yeah. you just say it yourself, and people think it's funny. Which is probably not as healthy as it was, but, like, at the time it worked. It helped, you know, especially, like, when the worst thing that could happen was you get made fun of, and then anything you say looks like you're upset, and then you get made fun of for that, you know, yeah. or, like, it, things could, like, spiral like that, and I, I would always hate it. I'm like, man... I can just jump out in front of it and like either be the funniest person in the room or like be the first person to make fun of myself. So it's like, all right, who's next? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of, um, that's kind of where I went with it. Um, so that, that makes sense though. I didn't, I I never really put that together. Uh, Mark Hobbs in particular is my favorite member of, I mean, you're Mark or Tom and like Tom left the band obviously, but I was always much more into Mark. Really? Yeah. Like anything specifically jump out or? So I thought he was funnier actually now because I'm still in my Blink-182 phase and like yeah. I spent times in quarantine like going back and watching old Blink stuff and like Tom is funnier to me now not funnier than Mark right. but just in general I think he's a funnier person now in 2021 that I'm uh-huh. watching but at the time I just really gravitated to Mark for some reason he was more confident I love it yeah uh Blink-182 man um add a, like all the small things I funny story about that song uh i listened to that on repeat the night before i went to a brand new middle school because it was like the only song i liked at the time it was the only thing that made me feel comfortable (laughs) and i was like if i can just get to sleep i'll be all right and i just loved that song and i listened to that just like on repeat oh yeah um oh and then what was the other uh the other one uh what was the one before all the small age again yeah, what's my age again? Uh, I had those two on repeat. Excuse me. Hell yeah. Uh, I loved, I loved Blink, man. They were just yeah. so, such a big deal. I mean, like, when I think about that era of music, it's what Blink, Britney, NSYNC, Limp Biscuit. It's crazy that Blink, Corn. it's crazy that Blink ascended to that level. At I that mean, time. it's that, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that them? You know, yeah. with like, I'd even put Christina Aguilera at a, like a lower, t- you know, like kicking off the lower tier of that. Like, if you're putting off those like top five, Blink, Limp Biscuit, corn instinct backstreet boys britney mm-hmm. that was it yeah that was everywhere yeah you know i uh, what a crazy time what i know a, what, a, what a crazy time um let's do tina fey actor writer comedian uh snl 30 rock so many movies so many books uh probably one of the most accomplished um people in television mm-hmm. ever 
I would yeah. say. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, uh, she's my, just my personal like comedy hero. Like, really? Yeah, if it's specifically comedy, it's Tina Fey. Like she, it started as a, just a crush. Like I, right. I felt weird when I was a kid, being like, "Damn, this girl, this woman's hot," and I was I, no one else would I think that. I always thought Tina Fey was hot. She's still like, she's yeah. my. When longest, she did the Sarah my, Palin thing. Oh that, my god! That, yeah, like, took it over the top. Tina Fey is what made me realize that like I like girls in glasses essentially <laughs> like it's because the, the sarah palin thing was the same but anyway yeah. but like once you watch her because i'm like oh she's she's funny and she's cute like i'm gonna watch her on snl and then it became like she's like so fucking funny yeah. like she is the best like she just very few misses mean girls uh yeah mean girls of course um i mean 30 rock but, uh, yeah i mean mean girls 30 rock her run on snl like it, it's yeah just, i mean it, but also when you get we really started learning about Tina Fey is when I was like, yeah. okay, she's Did you actually, read her book? Of course I read, I read yeah, her Bossy Pants. I assume. You, okay. I she has read, more. I think she has another one. I didn't read it. Okay. But um, just watching her week after week kill it and then just learning. She's another person who's slightly self-deprecating too in that sense. Oh, yeah. Because she definitely. would talk about the scar and different things. Like, didn't she avoid that for a long time? Not, and, but she also made like really smart jokes. Right, On the right, level like right. Blink-182 would never do. But No, no, no. I, but, th- but that's the thing though. Is like there's the... Like it's one thing to be introduced to it, and then it's another to be introduced to like doing it skillfully and like tactfully and like in a way that disarms other people. You know, uh, yeah. And like anyone can be like, ah, I'm a shithead. You know, it's another way of thinking. Like, oh yeah, well, I'm I'm not this because of that. And like that's kind of what Tina Fey would do. I think she's, I think she's brilliant. I really I do. do. I absolutely do. But like she's also, but like she's also just. Th- a very, at the time at least uh, she her work ethic was like unlike anybody else she was right. the first female head writer that snl ever had yeah and like she was writing was that the last time so SNL much was shit. like really really good i mean i have my own theories about snl being yeah. good or bad but like i think yeah. it's always been pretty fine i yeah. don't i just feel like we attached did you watch the elon musk one yeah did you enjoy it yeah i liked the first skit and everything i just don't think they put him in a position to be funny that was all i thought he was great i just i thought he was great for who he is I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I, I, mean, he's, he's I like enjoyed a, his monologue. I enjoyed the doctor thing. And then everything else, it kind of seems like they... Oh, the up. Chad in space thing? I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. we'll say that for our SNL podcast. Yeah. But no, just <laughs> Tina Fey became my personal like comedy hero. What's your favorite thing she's done? Oh, boy. I mean, I could point out like specific episodes of 30 Rock, but overall... That's prob- fine. Probably Mean Girls. I love it. Mean Girls. I think that's the thing that's going to last the longest yeah well she has a new show called girls five of them that i haven't watched yet my mom uh told me to watch it no uh, i want to watch it i mean yeah. tina fey i'm gonna watch it yeah that i will like, i point out specific moments of like 30 rock the one the thing that i feel like the two th- okay two things one was a part of her book in bossy pants these are the two things i would pinpoint is like things i remember specifically right. she read she reads emails that were sent to her from fans okay for just people not necessarily mm-hmm. fans right and like some of them were like hate mail and one of them was a hate mail that was like you ruined snl <laughs> and i'll never forget for some reason this was so funny to me and i listened to the audiobook so I, she read it her response to the email started out as well when i initially set when i initially set out to ruin snl Blah, 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 blah. And I, for some reason, thought that was so funny. Wow. And then there was, um, oh, she was also, did, she also did a verse on a, on royalty. Yes, she did. Do you yes, remember she, that? Yes, I do. Yeah, she did a verse on royalty. Um, yeah, there was another Tina Fey thing, but I forgot what it was. Oh, okay. No, no, I, I remember. 
she had a quote that to me resonates with comedians okay more than anything else like it's the best quote thing when it comes to knowing who comedians are right that i've ever heard okay and it it was a quote where she was in an interview talking about comedy and she was talking about comedy or comedians and she said if you want to make an audience laugh you would dress someone up like an old lady and you push them down a staircase (laughs) but if you want to make comedians laugh you push an actual old woman down a staircase and i was like that (laughs) rang true to me so hard and like it made so much sense to me i was like yes because comedians are dark I mean, yeah, but like, okay. I, that's so much funnier to me to visualize than a dude, you know, it's just, it's just a thousand she, times I, that's a quote that's stuck in my head for ever that's since really I heard funny. it. I've never heard that. And I mean, you just heard my genuine laugh at the thought of it. So, yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's a decent little segue to, uh, we'll get to Allie and Alan, but I want to talk about like the comedy, hosting, DJing, just like you putting yourself out there and doing different things. Okay. Initially with comedy. I, I have all the time in the world, by the way. I don't want you to feel like if we're going too I slow. Went to, I went two hours with Blev so oh my god okay we're at an hour so we're fine okay um when did you so with comedy um when did you know you wanted to do it and when did you get like what inspired you to do it and like when did you actually get started i will never forget so i mean through my entire life i wanted to do comedy on some level i think really yeah like stand up Mm, well so here's the thing i'll never forget and it's like the or one of the earliest memories I have. Okay. Because I don't remember a lot of like my early childhood. For it's probably good. Most it's probably peop- probably repressed. Most people don't. I specifically like, remember. You get that shit triggered. You're not going. Yes, to. and I'm waiting for something to happen. But that's the thing is, back. most likely nothing bad. Ha- you know what I'm saying is like you'd have to have something good triggered, and it'd be like a smell. You know what I mean? Unless it was like egregiously bad that something's high. Most people, most people are full of shit about remembering their childhood. They remember different things they liked eating around the holidays. The times they broke their bones or got their teeth knocked out, and then like the weird relatives and neighbors, and that's it. <laughs> it's true. Actually. I'm serious. As you said that, I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, um, I I think it was fourth grade. Wow. I think it was it was the last day of school, and we had to do like go around the class and say nice things about everybody, you mm-hmm. know. And we were doing it, and I was sitting at my desk. I remember that we were like in a horseshoe desk formation. I remember this moment so vividly, mm-hmm. and um, it came to me. And the teacher was like, okay, who has something to say about Ryan? And this girl, Chelsea, uh, not, not Chelsea from the podcast, but right. did, uh, Chelsea that I am friends with on Facebook though. Nice. I fa- we found nice. each other years later. Yeah. She was my first like crush. Oh wow. She's a lesbian now. So it wouldn't have worked out <laughs> good for Chelsea. Um, anyway, she specifically said, I think Ryan w- will either will or should be a comedian. And I remember being like, oh, and I specifically remember she said that and I stood up and I said, a stand up. And then I sat down. I said, or a sit down (laughs) and the class laughed so hard. And I was like, okay, this is fun. I like this. And then as my life went on from there through like middle school and early high school, I was not in a good place, but I leaned into that self-deprecating humor, which was the thing that I had. Like I was a skill that I had, right. It was just being funny when I needed to be funny. Um, I think I'm less, I think I'm significantly less funny now than I was at like peak comedy times, but I disagree. I think you're probably more, um, selective when you use it, you know, like you don't, uh, oh, that might be true actually, you know, well, cause I mean, like I kind of mentioned, uh, so I've never, I, I've never done comedy, any, anything of that nature, but I've always enjoyed making people laugh, being a class clown, you know, um, part out of boredom, whatever it may be, but I've gotten more selective of like when it's 
not necessarily appropriate to be funny because you know funny's funny whenever the fuck it happens in my opinion uh so like appropriate can go out the window as long as it's funny enough mm-hmm. like people will laugh it's more i don't crave um you don't need it i don't need it i don't need yeah, i don't need the laughs from other people to feel like the thought i had was funny like i'm good enough wow. as well. that's very true i just had my own breakthrough moment that's there. no that's it yeah. you're right like i don't feel that i don't need the validation anymore so i don't make as many jokes no and that's exactly I still, right. I still make them in my head but i'm like all right yeah good, good for me you know and some i'll let out when i'm like i know this is like i've assessed the audience you know like it's a little more tactful and some i just don't care and i let fly but like it's still i'm a lot more selective because i said i would i would argue you're funnier because uh so an- another thing um uh, i was gonna ask at one point but it kind of ties into this uh because i i think comedians are almost always intel very intelligent i think it's very hard to be funny um let, let me take this back you can be a jackass and be funny, you know, like with a shtick or like a, you know, like a thing, you know, like a gimmick. I think it's very hard to be consistently funny over time without having a certain level of intelligence because humor kind of insinuates pointing out, knowing what the right situation is and pointing out, you know, and still saying the wrong thing. Like you said, instead of dressing up an old woman and pushing down an actual old woman, that's like fucking funny, you know, for a reason because it's so wrong and you know it's so wrong. And, you know, the more you know it's wrong, the harder you're going to laugh unless your morals like bump up against that. You know what I mean? So I think there's a little bit of that where I think uh, comedians are very, very uh, intelligent. And I was going to ask you, what is something people tend to overestimate about you and what's something people underestimate about you? And I think something people may underestimate about you is I think you're very intelligent. And I don't think... I don't think you come across as not intelligent. I just don't think people <laughs> would be like, yeah, Ryan's smart as fuck. You know, like, uh, I, I, I genuinely think you're a very smart guy with the way you present yourself, um, the way you choose to do your events, uh, who you've made friends with, the ability to pivot and, like, grow. It, like, you have to have some intelligence on some level. So I think there's the natural comedic intelligence, but I think, like, the thing you're underrated for, uh, like, you would probably underestimate for would probably be your intelligence is my guess so. i well, thank you again mm-hmm. i do i mean i actually i mean I, it's a weird to be like yeah, yeah i think you're right i think mm-hmm. that no, seriously. Um, i mean i do think that i'm pretty smart for Absolutely. the most part um it's funny that you said the thing about the comedians though because i completely agree and that's like such a big i have so many people in my life that are funny mm-hmm. like ali and alan are both of them i'm sure we'll get to that in a minute right Ellie and Alan both very funny. I love having conversations with them because conversationally, they're hilarious. They're right. the funniest, two of the funniest people I know. Right. But like, writing jokes is a whole other whole thing. other thing. Like, that's the thing. It's not, not not them in particular. No, no, no. no but no. like, people will come up to me and be like, "I think I could do." The people think they can do comedy. Like, they Fuck think they can just no, go on dude. stage. And I'm like, okay, well, write some jokes. And they're they then they just are like, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, really try and write a good tweet. You know what I mean? Like a funny tweet. Like, really think about it. Like, when, don't just do the thought as you head. Like when you start looking at it, you're like, uh, I'm sure that could be said better. You know, like right. there's art and timing and like concise, you know, like yeah, rhythm. 100%. So writing jokes is hard and requires a level of intelligence. Do you still do sure. it? Not really. Do you write anything like skits, bits or anything at all like comedic or just that's mm. just like kind of part of your personality? Like you're just a humorous now. I used to do some of that when I had like 
creative time to be like, right. I'm going to sit down and do something creative or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do much more like music stuff. Now I do a lot more just like, pra- I'm sure you see on my Instagram story. I'm like blending two songs together. Like yeah. that's what I do a lot more now. Okay. Then I use then I, but I used to use that time to like try and find funny things to write about, but we'll get to the DJ thing here in just a second. Um, so like what's, what I guess, what's your relationship with comedy now? Cause I know, you know, to, we've talked about, you don't refer to yourself as a comedian out of respect to the people that do because mm-hmm. you don't want them to feel a certain way because you're not active in it and, and you don't want to like be perceived that way or take anything away from them. Is mm-hmm. that more or less kind of, I mean, there's so much to say about this. Um, yeah. Well, the, before we get into all that, I just want to say that improv comedy is its own thing. Improv yeah. comedy is for those people that are just naturally funny without writing. I mean, it's easier. It's literally mm-hmm. easier. You just improvise. I've always wanted to do it. It's, I, I think, think everyone, I just want to say, I think every single person in the world should take an improv class. I think I'm going to do it when uh, I get out to Connecticut and settle down. As... I mean, it helps you just be a sharper, more mm-hmm. alert, smarter person. It's not been, and people are like, well, I don't want to do improv comedy. It's like, no one's doing improv because they want to be professional improvisers like you do it because it helps you on so many other levels it's a good skill it's an incredible skill and it just makes your brain sharper i think it would inherently make you more open-minded if you're supposed to go along with what the person says to some degree Mm -hmm. like even you know like if if that somewhere subconsciously rubs against something like you ideologically do not believe it you know or whatever like and you're still supposed to go along with it like that cracks open your mind a little bit more right like yeah it makes you uncomfortable yeah and you yeah. lead into things so that, you wouldn't do before and that's uh you know going back to like uh i think you are really good at putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and that's a hard thing to do that's something i respect out uh when i see that in people i respect it greatly i think it's very very hard to do um i try to do i hate running so i run more now you know um there's there's just different things that it's easy to do the things you're good at it's hard to do the things you're good at in new settings or try new things and i I think you do a good job of that so i do think that like there's something to that as far as like public speaking is one thing that i'm very comfortable at for someone especially for someone that was so insecure about everything I would never had a problem grabbing a microphone and talking to a crowd of people. That's cool. I mean, that's wonderful. And like, I know that, and to me, it's just a thing people do. Yeah. Like I can just do it. Right. Like in any setting, if I'm hosting an event or if yeah. I need to host trivia or whatever, yeah. or do a podcast or whatever. Absolutely. I'm very comfortable grabbing a mic and just talking. Whereas that's great. most people probably because I've been doing it for so long. That's part of it. Practice but, matters for sure. Yeah. But like it's so many people I know, they're like, oh, I'm funny. I think I could do comedy. It's like, well, write jokes. And it's like, okay. And then you have to get on. Then you have to get on stage in front of people and like hold a microphone and talk into it and hear yourself. And it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah. It's like, it is a skill. And I, something I do think that I am good at. No, you are. I mean, Um, you absolutely are. What I was going to say about my, I guess my relationship with comedy is that, um, I don't, I don't know. It's not like, there's not like a big like thing. It's not like a big, like there's no tea or <laughs> like, right. but like I did it for a long time. It was an outlet for me when I was, I, th- I did it because I enjoyed doing it. Right. And I thought I was good at it. Absolutely. But like, I never loved it. It was never that. a thing that I was like, I'm going to, again, it was never a thing where like, I want to do this for the rest of my life right. professionally. It was mm-hmm. never the goal again i looked up to people like donald glover and Joe right. who could do multiple things mm-hmm. including but stand up was one of them but like just knowing that like oh yeah i could like pop in and do a stand-up set somewhere if i need to or something like that's yeah. cool but i did become 
known for that for a right. while. Um, that became the thing. And it does, especially at that time, making jokes about things that I would not joke about now. Right. I don't think I ever said anything too far. I don't think I ever said anything that would get me canceled. Right. I mean, and if you, so I've, we're not going to dive into cancel culture by any means, but I have my own relationship. Uh, I think the uh, influence and variable of time and cultural context is so greatly diluted when taking things like that into consideration. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Like people shouldn't have been saying certain things, you know, as long Mm -hmm. as they were obviously, but at the same time, like you have to look, like look around and not judge it in the same like lens as today. Like if it's not some monstrous shit and they're still not doing it and and they've grown, like, I don't know what you want, you know, like, yeah, but that could go like, we don't need to get too deep. Right. But slippery slope to me, I was always very, smart and self-aware about oh for sure don't say like don't say specific words that you're not supposed to say as a white person like never had a problem with that it was never an issue for me on twitter or on stage (laughs) like but there are other comedians who think that that shock is funny and they could get laughs because they shouldn't have said that word and i was like i hate this i hate you for doing that like that's not comedy that's just like you yeah shocking someone and then getting a reaction yeah that's not the goal here right but anyway um a lot of people think a lot of people have talked to me about like oh did you quit comedy because like trump became president and like it was oh, you couldn't joke about never, stuff you couldn't joke about stuff anymore once. yeah no but i'm just trying like that was That's never that was never the thing though it was like I mean, yeah. the timing was kind of there i guess but no for me it was like i was very in a bad place in my life i was unhappy right. i was surprised de- depressed i was unhappy i used comedy as an outlet to right. I mean, it's the sad, it's always the sad clown thing. Like that's right. Right. Um, I mean, it's real to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And once I decided like, I don't want to be this way anymore. (laughs) Like comedy was one of the first things was like, quit doing comedy. Like it's feeding that darkness. And even if it's not necessarily quit doing comedy, part of it's like remove yourself from so many elements of that scene. Right. Like, so so that's the thing. Like I, this is not an an indictment of the Oklahoma city comedy scene at all. Like I, there, the, we have the, there was a point in time where I just felt like our scene was so good it was so strong yeah like there were so many good comedians in oklahoma city but that doesn't mean and they were good people i was friends with them we never did it was never like we're not like doing heroin in the back of the thing but but at the same time the environment itself Uh is not a happy place no and people think it's like you're hanging out with funny people all day i'm sure it's great but like i mean it is sometimes but like yeah but it's it's, it's, inherently there is like an inherent kind of almost depression yeah and like kind of darkness that hangs over the, the whole thing because you're in a dark bar at midnight trying to tell jokes to drunk people at midnight and make them laugh at you and at the end of the day like as close as y'all may be like you guys are still trying to make it so there's underlying competition so some oh, yeah there's to a some, lot of jealousy you know what i mean and that's the same way it was with the music stuff and it was like so when i really started trying to lose weight and different things it was like well i just got to go out less well that coincides with me doing less on the music front if they don't really need me i'm probably not going to go like i'm doing less djing like i'm not even working the door i'm happy to help facilitate whatever i got to do but i'm really trying to do different things you know and so again not an indictment on the scene but like entertainment life life in the entertainment industry whether it be you know comedy music or what have you tends to be late nights tends to um, circ- um, put people in position to be taken advantage of in professionally. terms professionally um, like 
financially um yeah. in exchange for exposure bucks or oh, yeah. you know different shit like that uh and that you know like you can't afford to say no either way you know uh, at, at certain times like uh when you're coming up on certain things and so when when Dude, i there's like this i'm sorry go ahead. no no i was gonna say so it got to a certain point where i started separating away from elements of the scene and it wasn't the scene itself but it coincided with the like professional and mental pivot i wanted to make anyway i don't know? remember who we were talking about not that long a couple of months ago we uh-huh. were texting about somebody mm-hmm. oh we were talking we were texting about maybe it was jensen car maybe oh yeah and i just remember i don't remember what the context was i just remember telling you and it's i know that you didn't which is fine i never do any of the stuff you asked me to do but like i told you like i just rewatched this taylor swift documentary on hbo right. Where she talks I'm pulling up text right now. Where she talks a lot about um just like fame and mm-hmm. just being on stage. Man. And there's this incredible quote from Taylor Swift in this documentary where she's sitting there yelling at someone who's like criticizing her for something, and she's just like, I am a performer. I go on stage. Like people like me, we do it because we're we don't feel like we're good enough otherwise. Like we have to give you something for you to like us. I have your text right here. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I rewatched the Taylor Swift documentary from twenty eighteen on Netflix last night and she talks a lot about having the public turn on you, feeling like they just want you to go away and how it affects people who are raised young to believe that they're good if they're popular and bad if people don't like them. A lot of stuff about Kim and Kanye. It was really interesting to see it again, given the turns that all of their careers have taken recently. Worth watching, even if you don't like her music. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that was it. We were talking about how Kanye, the people had really turned against Kanye. Right, right. But, like, Taylor Swift specifically talks about, like, you're raised in a specific... If you go... If you start young, like, I was doing comedy. It was the first public thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you... just gets ingrained in your head because you're young. You don't know any better. It's like, people laughed at me. I'm good people didn't laugh at me i'm bad right you know it's yeah. like you have to get the laughs to feel like you're chasing yep. it's, it's it's an abusive relationship you're chasing totally. highs you're totally. chasing highs and you're dealing with the lows to yep. get the high back again it, and it's so hard to this is not by the way i'm not saying this about every comedian no, this was specifically no, 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 no. we're talking about you to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're talking about what was your first show like so i start so i was in i mean i went through bad parts of my life but i always yeah. had humor as an outlet and the yeah. thing and then twitter came along and for some reason because i was following the tech scene so closely i knew right. twitter was a thing and i got on early so i became the number one person in Oklahoma. Right. and i started just tweeting dumb jokes right that were not even that funny but like i said i never crossed a line but i did get up against the line sometimes where i would right. say dumb shit but people liked it especially in 2008 2009 that type of humor was cool and funny like that's what people were doing i think twitter um was a really good platform for comedians early on like you it's know, insane how many careers brandon mordo through twitter oh my god yeah of course you know, he's one of my I mean, favorites like, i love him but like it just in general like yeah. so many comedy writers come from twitter they were just people who were in but fuck nowhere like yep. america then they have now they have a path to get to comedy success yeah, because they can crazy. just blow up on twitter Anyway, I started doing Twitter jokes. People liked it. I was, it's a, but it's one of those things where you see like, oh, well, people like Spencer Hicks are doing it on stage. And like, I knew who he was through right. Twitter and knew that he was going out to an audience and right. presenting himself and getting laughs. And I was like, right. well, I couldn't do that. I can't do that. I can, right. I can hide a keyboard and type stuff. Yeah. Eventually I did try it. And then I, I wrote an article about my first two did shows you? on Oxford Karma, RIP, nice. miss you every day. I love you, Boydston. About, um, my very, very first show was an open, I mean, it's an open mic. It's pretty much everyone's first right. show is an open, open mics. And it was at a comedy club. It was at the oh, Louisville. Wow. 
Well, I mean, that's the only, at the time, true, there true. was only two or three open mics in the city. That's true. But it was at the Looney Bin, which is the only comedy club at the time. The one on Expressway? Yeah. Yeah. And what you don't realize coming into comedy, you're so nervous about like, I'm going to, because I literally just read my tweets basically on stage. Yeah. But you're so nervous. You don't understand how it is. It's that same thing I just described. Like you're going yeah. on stage. You're in, now you're in front of people and now you're holding a microphone and you can yeah. hear your voice and you don't know what to do and you're nervous and you're sweating and it's like, okay. Um, but I, I did really well. Nice. I did super well. Awesome. But the thing is that you don't realize as a first time comedian is that comedy club audiences are really easy. Like they paid money to come watch comedy. Like they are going to laugh when you say a thing because that's what they're there to do. Like their mindset is I'm here to laugh. He said something. I'm going to laugh at it. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm not here to be a dick. Like or not to be entertained. They're going there to watch comedians. Totally. So then the next week I'd met, I met Brad Chad Porter that night. Mm um god like the godfather of oklahoma city comedy one great guy um i met him that night and he was like oh we also do an open mic in norman on tuesday nights at othello's and i was like great i'm gonna come kill it there too and i was writing i, I da- was writing a high i remember when dante did othello's so i mean i was writing a high of like i'm gonna run this scene that tomorrow that one sober you up <laughs> so then you go to a place like othello's which is like a bar yeah in norman at 10 p it starts, show starts at 10 p.m on a tuesday yeah so there's like seven people there and they're there to drink yep they're not there to watch comedians Mm-mm. at all <laughs> yeah. they, they would rather you not be talking into a microphone right. with them. and i get up on stage and i just i can't i can't get anyone's attention and i just eat shit so hard and it was the most like sobering drive back home from norman because wow. i drove to norman right thinking like here we, like here we 9 go. p.m on a the tuesday kids in town yeah like <laughs> i'm here to kill it and then you, that happens and oh, it's just like no. oh my god it's the same feeling i had when we first started doing like investment stuff and you like have this yeah. huge blow up you're like yeah and then it drops and you're losing money and like oh god um that was difficult and that was when i learned that like oh comedy club crowds they show up because they want to laugh and like crowds like this bar shows which are what i gravitated towards eventually i love doing bar shows because they're more challenging right but like those people well that's probably how you grow a a fan base too like doing bars local you can't always hit like all the comedy stuff and get local i mean there's you can get into like club comedy versus bar comedy it's a very different thing gotcha club comedy is very much like big and like gotcha like bar comedy is very much like smart club Uh, comedy is blink 182 Bar comedy is like Tina Fey. <laughs> Got you. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, did you, so did you do comedy before you started hosting events? Oh yeah. Okay. For a while. Okay. What was the first like event you hosted? Was that just a natural transition? Oh man. What was the first like? Yeah, I mean, it's cool if you don't remember. It's more just. I really don't remember. Do you think um, it was something like trivia? I had to have been. That's a cool gig. I love doing trivia with Spencer for sure. I mean, it was something we did for over a decade together what sort of events do you like hosting versus not hosting i don't i mean there's no event if i don't want to if i don't if I right like it, won't I, won't do take, it. I won't take it i mean trivia i do a lot of trivia events for like charity things i love doing just any sort of fundraiser work that cool. like that if i can contribute in that way right in a way where i normally couldn't um That's yeah really like cool. i've started getting hit up for event hosting just like hey i think it was there was a group, there's a group called Raw Artists, R-A-W Artists, and they're like a big company that has shows all over the country. Like, right. they have shows all over the country. There's like a, a Raw Artists 
hub in every city, major city. And they tried to launch it in Oklahoma City. And the girl that was running it here, I remember her hitting me up and be like, we need, we need someone to host these events every month. And you're funny and like, want to know if you would do it. Oh, yeah. I think that was my first big like hosting gig. Cool. And I love hosting. I still host more. Than, I mean, I don't do comedy anymore, but I still love hosting. Nice. And um, so how did you, um, how, when did you go, all right, it's DJ time. Like, what, what was the thing that clicked where you're like, I, I, obviously Donald Glover was a big influence. We kind of talked about that, but what, uh, were you, were you just playing around with software at your house and then like you made a mix and you're like, so, this doesn't suck, you know? So through the spy, which I owe all of this to them through the spy, different businesses would hit up the spy and say, Hey, it used to be, it used to be Ferris O'Brien would, he, the people wanted him to come drive the right. spy van out to their event and just play music out in front of their event. Like that was a big thing right. to have the spy van out at your event. And eventually that just kind of morphed into them being like, Hey, can you send someone out to just like play some music at our right. event? And I was chosen to do that. I think I want to say, I owe a lot of this to the wedge, the wedge and deep deuce. Um, Cause they started doing local beer parties every right. quarter. And I remember powerhouse. Was that the name of it? yeah you, powerhouse did some stuff well your powerhouse came a little later it did okay okay but like the wedge in particular um i can't remember um the wedge in particular they were doing like local beer parties and they wanted a spy person right dj and ferris had me do it cool and he was like you go do this basically just, like play a playlist that's the thing yeah. it's like i loved it i loved being in charge of the music right but i did just literally just had a playlist on my ipad at the first generation yeah. ipad and i just made a playlist and i would like press play and then i would stand there <laughs> and like i'm supposed to be djing but it's literally just me and holding yeah. an ipad and you hit next if like it, there's a, a long outro or well, something. i kept trying to like turn i kept trying to turn it off a little bit and i'd watch her turn it down on her end a little yeah, bit right. and I'd trying to creep it up but like i would just look around and see if anyone was noticing the music at all like it right. became such a thing because music's been more than anything music in general has been the most important thing in my entire life more than comedy that's more, awesome more than anything it's the thing that i've gravitated towards it's the thing that i appreciate in a way that i don't appreciate anything else more than comedy and more than anything else i've done you know what's wild is my relationship with music has probably distanced more in the past few years than it ever has no we talked about that when you were talking about our quarantines and how you leaned into like podcasts podcast conversations like a lot of like modern jazz stuff um movie and tv scores um i mean don't get me wrong like I still jam nothing but like Kevin Gates, Moneybag Yo, and Future, and I went nuts over the new Lil Wayne and Drake verses on the Nicki Minaj mixtape yeah. that came out. I mean, my God, same green. <laughs> it was killer. But I, it's just my relationship. I, I think I was just so close to it that um, I met so many people that um, I felt artificially were like, this music shit is man it's like running through my veins you know like i met like the worst kinds of people that like uh it was this like faux artistry type shit that i i just never wanted to come across as anything other than um authentic and and i was always on a like treasure hunt for the newest music as soon as it came out baylor dan and i got caught in that cycle for so long and now i'm just like the good stuff's gonna find me Mm -hmm. i know what i like and that and that's just where i'm at with it now i'm sure i'll circle back but like you said, you kind of mentioned it earlier. I like classic rock now more than I've ever liked it in my life. You know, or, oh, yeah. or, or, or you can appreciate it now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. not the newest hip hop song, and that's what you're looking for in that moment. A hundred percent. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just want a song that makes me feel good. You know, mm-hmm. or like makes me just like feel something different. As you know, 
I went through that last year with the cranberries. Like I never really got that into the cranberries. Yeah. And then I heard him, I heard him on something. And I was like, that's a good song. I Linger. forgot how good that song is. I think it was linger. I'm sure it was. And, but then great. I just I was like, what else? I was like, what else did they do again? And then next thing you know, I was listening. I'm just, is that theirs too? Or is uh, that, did they do zombie? Yes. Zombie. If, if it's, if that's not true, edit that out. <laughs> no, they um, definitely did. They okay. definitely did. <laughs> yes. But I was just got, in, I think of Ed Helms in the office. Sorry. You're just going in your hair. <laughs> His best Scott Stapp impression. <laughs> But like, I, yeah, no, I totally get like finding a, an old thing and be like, you know what? That's really good. I want to really lean into this. I By the way, sidebar, sidebar yeah. on Saturday, I'm uh-huh. getting delivered. I got the notification today, a seven inch vinyl of the gibberish song. <laughs> oh, the one I should, the yeah. Italian one. I it's, love that song. I, I, I it's my to favorite it song. I listen to it every single day. The it's guy, the best song I've ever heard. <laughs> the guy's name is Adrian and Celentano. Celentano. That's yeah. what it is. And in the seventies, he wanted to just prove Italians would like any American music whatsoever. So he made a song that sounded like, uh, Boom James Hauer. Brown and, <laughs> Boom like, Hauer. and it, it, James Brown, Boom Hauer and Bob Dylan, like yeah. just getting down and it's awesome. But it's pure gibberish words, and it, he he actually made a hit of it, uh, and it's like pretty unconscious, nice and unusual. It sounds like Simlish. Yeah, it's the best song I've ever heard in my life. It's so good. That's that's hilarious that you. Got and it. I bought the record. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, music is the most important thing. Like good. it's the thing that I've connected with. It's the thing that I'm drawn to. It's the thing that I just like. I love listening to music it's the thing that like i'm running in music to me like running i run because i love music right it gives me the opportunity to listen to music cool um but like being so when i was djing these like local beer parties djing quote unquote right and like she would start putting like dj like dj'd by ryan drake from the spy and i'd be like hell yeah and i was like oh hell yeah but then it would just be me standing there with an ipad right but like people would dance kind of and i'd be like let's see what happens if i play this song and like they would start dancing some more and i'm like this is the most fun i've ever had in my life so then, yeah, I remember I when you got that program that mixed Spotify songs for you. Oh, yeah. That was a big your one. birthday. Yeah. Yes. Beer Olympics. Yes, oh, it was. I never forget that. That was a big one. That was a big one. That was so, a big transition. This was all in the same year. Like, no fun intended ended. I made my album on my birthday in August. Right. And then right after that, I was like, Album sitting right there on my bookshelf, too. Wow. Thank you. Um, right after that, I was like, I started I, so the album, the comedy album, came to fruition. I wanted to make one, right? But I also knew in the back of my head, like, so Robin Williams also had just killed himself, yeah, and that, that was a big deal to so me. So August twenty sixteen, it was before that twenty fifteen then, fourteen. I thought Robin Williams was the same year Mike Brown and Ferguson, and I thought that was twenty. Oh, I know based on the people I was dating, <laughs> that was twenty fourteen. <laughs> it's definitely twenty fourteen. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. So Robin Williams had just passed right before my birthday, right before I made this comedy album. Holy shit. 2014, man. Yeah. And like, I just knew like he was a big deal to me. And like, you knew like Harris Whittles had died shortly before that. And he was like a big, like comedy nerds, comedian guy. Yeah. Comedy writer, big like Parks and Rec guy. Robin Um, Robin Williams death was one of the few celebrity deaths. that was like, well, it's because he, because he did like kill himself. Like, yeah, he actively was like, I'm depressed and I'm going to die now. Yeah. And like, that was a big deal to me because I started to feel that a little bit. Like I started to feel two things like, like, I want to change, but also I'm going to just lean into it and see what happens. It's going to be dark. You know what I mean? Like I started to really get to that point. Like you worried that like you had whatever he had. 
like yeah, going on with of him. course yeah. I, mean, I thought every, i think every comedian is probably yeah. worried about that like and i had done shows out of state right and you think like oh i'm going to i booked out of state and you yeah. go there and it's a shitty bar and they paid Dude. you 100 bucks for an eight hour drive and you're sleeping on someone's floor it's like full of cat piss Dude, and it's just like that's exactly how the rap shit was and it yeah is like it's the like most it's not glamorous at all no. it's fun to put on social media like hey arkansas it's i'm coming great, to your it's state a great flyer yeah you know? but like it's miserable yeah and like i just knew that i didn't have what i was like i knew i didn't have what it takes to do that like that was the next step like you're a local and then you become regional and i was like i don't have what it takes to be a regional comedian right like, i can't do this every weekend i i just can't yeah. and so there was that it was the depression kind of battle right. like I well, felt you, myself coming like in my, it was one of those things where in my head, I knew I'm going to get my shit together. <laughs> like right. in the same way that I have ideas for what I want to do next. That was the thing. I was like, I kind of want to fix whatever's wrong with me. Yeah. And so I knew that was coming up, but also it felt kind of being dragged down a little bit by this comedy thing. But I also thought I'm going to make this album. And if it doesn't, I mean, it was a 40 minute album and it was yeah. six years worth of jokes. Yeah. The best jokes I wrote over six years. Yeah. And it was, it, but it took 40 minutes to yeah. get it out and then it was over, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a crazy feeling. Yeah. But it, I was like, so this took me six years to make these 40 minutes. And if this doesn't do anything for me, then. So no- that was like, you're kind of, all right, here, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to go this legit way about it. Um, I'm going to put I everything into I tried it. to, when the album came out. I sold a bunch. Right. I made good money off that album. I bought two that night. I made 20 bucks from Greg. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I made good money off yeah. that album, even through streaming. I mean, I got a couple hundred bucks just through streaming. Do you still great. get checks at all? Do people still buy oh, it? So they will hang out. There's a, that's the, that's the, uh, whatever's at the end of epilogue. Okay. Um, I released the album and I tried to send it to the people that I thought I needed to be sending it to, to help my comedy career. And I really did try. And it just didn't go anywhere. And I just, it was, I don't know if I did it wrong or if it just wasn't funny or what. I don't know. But like, it just didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't really helping me get booked right. bigger shows and more money, you know, happier things. Right. So I was like, okay, that's it. Like, I've done what I came here to do. I did comedy. You I proved I can it. do comedy. I made an album. Yeah. That I, that got, I mean, shout out to Boydston once again. I think, Absolutely. I think because he knows me. He gave me the best review I've ever seen anything get in the Oklahoma Gazette. Like, oh my God, I couldn't believe the review. It was so nice. But I was like, okay, I did this. I'm going to let it sit for a while. And if I come back to it, I come back to it. If I don't, I don't. Yep. And from there it was... It just dissipated. Well, from there it was... I want to try to be better and happier and healthier. But also I want to... I want to lean in more into this good feeling I get when I'm doing these beer parties for the world. Right, right. Right. So from there, like through the end of that year, I just kind of kept doing that type of stuff. And then I just remember the beginning of 2015, I I went through a breakup and I was, wasn't Always really fun. doing comedy anymore. Like I done, I did a few comedy shows here or there, but just kind of like just to get out of the house yeah. and do it. But then that spring I bought some DJ. So I knew in my head, like I want to like, it's a thing where you don't think. you're like i'm not a dj like why do i want to be a dj i'm not a dj right right? like i don't have dj training yeah so you don't think you can do it and then i just like whatever i want to try something and And i bought the cheapest software i could find that will actually mix things what was the learning curve like for you did it take some time so that's that was the thing was that like i spent months yeah learning that software like in and out almost every night i would sit in my house and just 
tried shit and like learned shit and like push every button, see what it does. Yeah. That's how you gotta do it. But it took months to build my first set, quote unquote. Right, right. And I mean, now I can build a set in like literally 20 minutes. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you, um, do you like, I guess, do you look back on how you used to do things and like cringe or are you kind of like... As far as the DJ stuff? Yeah. Or are you like proud of your initial intuitions where you're like, okay, I kind of Well, there was a point where you're so afraid of like, well, I'm not a DJ. No one's going to take me seriously as a DJ. Yeah. And I have to do the most flawless, perfect thing. So that people will at least And then you realize nobody gives a shit about like Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, so I started learning the software. I know that like, I know specifically that summer I came to your birthday party and I fucking DJed when everyone was hammered. You were hyped. I was so excited to be doing in front of people. I was like, everyone was hammered in the garage and I was just sitting in the corner on my laptop. I was like, yeah, you can absolutely do that. It was big. It was a big moment. Good, good. I love that. That is so funny. Because shortly after that was my birthday in august yes and that was the first time i was like i'm doing it like yeah. i'm throwing a big party at the speakeasy for Smart. my own birthday and i'm gonna dj my own birthday and then from there like weddings and different things just kind of well that dj set went really well yeah. speakeasy started talking to me we eventually got on a regular schedule where i'm just now i'm doing parties every month and That's awesome. it's, it's are those literally... ramping back up yes cool june I... or july i don't know yet. okay you haven't had one yet though no no, no. okay cool cool well that's exciting I know. I'm very excited. Gotta I be. hope people come back. I feel like I'm doing these big parties at the speakeasy. I think they will. I hope so. Um, but and then like suddenly it's like, oh, I'm like getting hit up. Now the people yeah. who are coming to those parties want me to DJ their weddings or their other events. Right. And suddenly it's like, I'm a DJ now. Like, this is what I'm doing. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I still yeah. love it. I, there's zero percent. The feeling of doing comedy to doing DJ stuff. And I, here's the, but like the thing is, there's so many things. The thing is, no, I love when it. you say you do, you look back at how you used to do things. Mm-hmm. I would spend so much time perfecting one right. second of like this downbeat has yes. to hit, and then I switch to the middle of the upbeat of the next song, and, and you realize it's for one to two people in the room. And yeah, that- and then you start doing these speakeasy parties, and you realize they can't even hear that because no. I mean it's yeah. it's crowd noise. There's speakers, but like they don't give a shit. They no. don't care how you get from one song to another song. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. Just keep playing the hits. Yeah. Like you could literally just press you could literally run a spotify playlist probably right. and just like stop next song and then play it and then press pause next song probably not to not to not to belittle any right. stuff, no, but no, like no. I, I mean I get they're there to dance they're there to hear the hits like right. that's what they want to do they don't care how mixed it is no if somebody's there to see that see a good dj like they're expecting something but if they're there to like listen to a good music party it's they're not as worried about the seamless transitions is more as like did i like this song as much as i like the last song or are we going to keep the party going right know? and that's like literally that's 98 <laughs> percent of it of, that's kind of more or less it um, I mean, i've always i've said and i don't maybe maybe this is some of that self-deprecation maybe yeah. it's not it's just something i really do i at one point i felt it i don't know if i still feel it, it was like i would tell people like i'm not a good dj but i can throw a party yeah and that's how i feel i think um uh, you know one thing I've noticed going back through grad school and different things is uh, imposter syndrome is a motherfucker. And I think people who care about the things that they're doing almost always have that moment where I'm like, I'm not a DJ, you know, like, don't get me wrong, but I can do this. I can do this well, you know, and it's like, well, you're continuing to progress towards what you might have called a DJ of one. You know what I mean? So, so my brain immediately goes to like, well, I know that what they want to hear. Like, I'm good at knowing what music they want to hear, but right. I'm not a good DJ. Yeah. But, like, eventually... But you could but be if, if that's, like, all you had to do. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Like some people, yeah. some people would argue that's all a DJ is is playing the music people want to hear, right? So, so I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, MC means move the crowd. You know, like yeah, that's literally all that fucking matters on that point. Uh, let's jump to because uh, I'll have some rapid fire questions kind of at the end. Um, let's go to Ali and Alan. Oh my god, I forgot. So basically, I totally forgot about them. Okay, <laughs> no, no, this is this is the best part. So, um, these are the people that ryan recommended um as influential inspirational um different things um pivotal to him for whatever reason uh we'll start with ali and i'm going to read what you said about her and then read the questions and her responses to them and we can you know oh boy this is exciting i don't remember what i said about her okay yeah i'm sure it was good i'm not saying yeah it was lovely you said she is the most important person i have had in my life as far as having a positive influence on me when i was at my personal worst yes so true do you want to elaborate on that um i mean it just kind of goes all into all, just, into just all encompassing. oh well, yeah i'm mean, saying you could say it. she yeah she is one of my absolute best friends in the world again just like alan and blink 182 when her right. and i met we were not good like mm-hmm. we didn't really like each other we didn't hate each other she was right. my boss right okay yeah um how she, do you know ryan ryan and i met working at will rogers theater yes yeah, and my... i completely disliked him when he first got hired <laughs> that's true that's a fact like I didn't know why they hired this comedian to work in events i think we became friends because he's still trying to make up for spilling his water all over me and my desk that was a nightmare um <laughs> yes good that's a real thing that happened um no she i mean we didn't like each other though like we I could tell she didn't like me. I mean, I knew she was in a stressful position. I mean, the whole, the, the context of the work situation is his own thing, but like, I knew she was in a stressful position and then right. suddenly here's this dude mm-hmm. showing up to be like, Hey, you have to teach me everything. Cause right. I know absolutely nothing. Right. That, I mean, I shouldn't have been hired for that job. Let's be real. But like, um, we just didn't get, we didn't really vibe at first because she was trying to do everything. And I was just sitting around like, why aren't you teaching me stuff? Like, yeah. Why, I, why I, am I here? Like I'm wasting my, even though I was getting paid to sit around and do nothing. Right. We, but the thing that honestly, the thing that united us was having a third person on our team that we hated. Hey, nothing will bring people together. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. I'm telling you, if you have a common person to talk shit about, that's exactly what with, it was. That will, genuinely jumpstart a relationship 100 percent. it's amazing like so. we had that and we eventually became good work friends we eventually just like started texting and talking on the phone and like we hung out a couple of times when we worked together we would just hang out outside of work right and then she left and, I, and then i got fired right <laughs> and then we became like good that's when i was like oh we're like actual friends right. we we're hanging out like in Post-work. friendly situations outside of work like we're right. like like you're putting in the effort but to like be- to me when i say that was the most one of the most important things was because like i was at one of the lowest points of my life that was around dui time right it was a couple of years after it was 2015 okay. dui was 2012 okay okay 2015 i was still but it's still a thing that sticks with you yeah no 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 like was when i was starting to have to really pay the money for the dui stuff got you um and i just again also separate from the other breakup that was not that far away but i'd also gone through another another breakup hey man those um, are those are catalysts they really but you. like i was and i was the most unhealthy i'd ever been i was the largest mm-hmm. i'd ever been this job required me to like wear suits every day and like Do you know how heavy you got up to oh no i never weighed myself in my head i was afraid i didn't want to i didn't want to know all i the highest i, I ever like i had to be like it had to have been no 
No, it was. I know that I was in the 315, 320 range. Nice. But okay. That was after I'd already lost some weight. The, yeah. So the highest I ever saw on a scale, I think, was 357. Wow. And that was again after probably a week. Because that's like so close to 400. And 400 is like, oh my God. I don't ever, like, it, like, I cried when I got down to 250. I was like, I never thought I'd see this. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, same. I, you know, I had multiple like breakdown cry moments where I was like, holy shit. But yeah, I mean, in my opinion, 301 is too close to 400. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's how I felt. So when I got like, uh, you know, past that, like hill, downward hill to like, hey, buddy, if you want to keep this up, like you're probably going to die by 42. That's you know? exactly what it was. Like to me, it wasn't about like, I mean, it was not, I mean, I did lose, I wanted to right. lose weight. And I kept track of that for a while. I haven't weighed myself in probably close to a year. I have no yeah. idea. But like, I just knew I needed to be healthier. Right. <clears throat> and I started, like I said, I come coming out of the comedy thing. It was right yeah. around the same time. This is all totally. happening in that 2015 totally. era. I mean, mine was uh, shortly after that, like 2016 on, you know? Well, I mean, for it, it started, I mean, 2015, I was at my worst. Yeah. This is right after the comedy stuff had ended. This was not, this is literally months after I did my album. Yeah. Um, I think yeah anyway so we met and she's not a person i would have ever ever talked to outside of right exact situation right like if i would have like we would have never ever talked to just like hanging out like at a bar or something uh-huh. i had zero confidence first of all <laughs> and just in general like right. not even not even in like a weird like guy girl datey situation just right. in general at all i didn't even want to look at people i didn't right. want them to no, look at I, me trust me i, I didn't want them to look at me i get it and I now really i'm having do. to buy suits that don't fit like oh, i was God. too afraid to get a suit that fit because I, you have to talk to someone they have to measure you and you're like i don't want to do that i'm just going to get the whatever the thing is off the right and they didn't fit at all so i'm wearing these suits more. that are like making me feel very you know, with the feeling of like very self-conscious. It's just out of fish out of water. It, you feel like it's highlighting your insecurities more than it is helping them. Right. You know? And it's but like, at the same time, I'm good at putting on that fake. Yeah. I'm funny guy. Right. Yeah. And she was just, she has a presence. Like yeah. I've pe- only met her like once or twice. She and has a presence about at, it. Like, at a dance she's party. the best at her job. I've ever seen anybody be at their what did job. What she do? Well, she, when we were doing events oh, okay, together. Oh, event stuff. Like, she owned everything. She was just so confident, and, like, everyone paid attention to her. And you and I noticed that. And I was like, damn, this person's so cool. Like, she has her shit together. Like, right. she's just... And then we started being friends. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, she's so funny and cool. And it was like, I really enjoy talking to this person. Right. It, but it's insane to me. It's absolutely unbelievable that this person would enjoy talking to me. Right. Like, how on earth is this even a friendship? So it inspired you to, like, live up to the standard that you thought someone of her caliber deserved as, like, a friend? I mean, you really, yeah, I mean, you look yeah. up to, you look at people and, like, oh, yeah, this person yeah. is better than me. No, totally. Literally. Like, I know you know what I'm talking about. No, I, I, I but, like, I've tried to explain this to her before and she just didn't get it. I absolutely do. Like, I... I got my, I got my inner circle and I always want to try and keep around, you know, two to three slots open for people that I want to aspire to be like, yeah. or, you know, or anything like that, or that challenge me in some way, shape or form, even if we're not going to be like long-term friends, like I keep them in like a close proximity, whether it's like a mentor, a peer, a colleague, whatever it may be. It's like, I need people. I, I don't ever like, don't get me wrong. It's fun to be the smartest guy in the room sometimes, but it, more often than not, like if it's, if it's your usual state of being, 
it sucks. Like you're not challenged. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, like, um, you're very rarely invested in even what's going on in front of you. You know, it's much, it's much harder to be mindful when you are, um, stuck in like complacency and routine or even redundancy, you know? Yeah. So sounds like she brings a lot of good things out, which is, well, we like just, we were in a perfect situation where we had to be around each other every day. Right. Otherwise there's no, no way we would have ever spent time around each other. Otherwise, because of me, not because of her, because right. I would have been like, this person's too good for me. Like, right. I don't even want to, like, funny. I'm too insecure to be around this person. What's funny is I tell Bailey, um, my now fiance, uh, who was a girlfriend on the first episode of this podcast, um, all the time. I'm like, she was like, would you have come up to me? You know, if we had met out, uh, initially I was like, no, like that, that wasn't necessarily like my game it was like walking up to the hottest most beautiful girl in the bar and be like hey guess who i are like want to talk you know right it was more like oh if i drop something i would make you laugh and then maybe you wouldn't think i was weird and maybe i would find another time to talk to you again if i saw you later in the future you know it's like i just didn't have the the confidence to, to walk but up it's and, it's yeah no i just didn't have it you know like to be like oh yeah i'm I I thought a certain type of person had to be that the guy that could just walk up and be like, "Hey, can I get you a drink?" You know, uh, to me it just sounded like we talked about the you know the pro sides of cliche. This sounded like a line, like everything sounded like a line or a manufactured. And I was always of the mindset of like, man, you know, like I'm obviously approaching you because I'm attracted to you, but like. I want to get around that, like, and I don't want you to think that, like, there's only, you know, like, once you get past a certain age and you're looking for different things, you know, and people, you're like, I don't want you to think that's the only thing. So I, d I just didn't approach people like that. I always, like, yeah. stood back and, like, waited for my moment to have, like, genuine interactions. Um, and I was never, like, but they always had to, but you wanted them to instigate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, very rarely do I think I ever took those opportunities. And I, I think like it probably served me well and I, I probably missed out on some opportunities as well. But uh, I, I, I point being, I get what you're saying is like, that's not someone you would have approached to hang out with regularly uh, due to like your own subconscious insecurities or whatever. And I was so down that like, I mean, I think it's good. Like we met in a perfect situation because mm -hmm. we had to be around each other. We had to talk every day. Well, and you had to get along. I mean, it's work eventually we started getting along because, yeah yeah but like also like i mean dating was 100 percent not even an option i was so not in a place and i knew that she was someone that like we met in a perfect situation and um we had to spend time around each other otherwise i would have never i would have not i mean it's crazy to say i wouldn't have had the confidence to even be friends with someone but like that's the truth she like i said she had this presence about her that mm -hmm. was very much something that i looked up to Right. And it took me years to get to a place where I even still, where I looked at us even as equals right. on some level. But anyway, her wanting to be my friend at all after we quit working together, like we were, we had the, like, she would say that like, oh, you're like one of my best friends, but I wouldn't believe her. I was like, I'm yeah. sure you say that to everybody. Right. Right. But then when we actually started hanging out as friends, like after we were, both didn't work at the place anymore, I was like, you don't have to spend time with me. <laughs> you know, you want to, like, that's insane to me. Right. And like that was the first step for me towards, okay, someone sees value in me on okay. some level. So that improved like your own self worth. Like yeah, yourself, yeah, I started to just be like, it's unbelievable that this person that I look up to, legitimately look up to, is interested in any part of my life. Yeah, and like legitimately takes time to like 
hang out with me on any, on any right. level. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that was such a big confidence booster. Wow. Just knowing. Good for her. And then, like I said, it was never like a weird. It was never like a romantic thing. Yeah, it was, no, just, it was like, just like this person. Yeah. wants to spend time with you on some level. No, I totally get it, man. Um, I truly do. And from there, it was like that kind of helped me more than anything else at that time. It was like literally that her. Right. And then well, from there, it was it's, it's powerful when good people see good in you. You know, and that, like, yeah. I mean, you like start simply put, like okay, I have something to offer somebody. Yeah, you, I mean, like a bottom line, like I guess I don't suck. And like having that thought when there's a lot more of the other, like it matters. And you know, like you said, over time it, take, it took you years to feel like on equal footing or whatever. But I mean, all that is is it starts with that spark and like just the mounting evidence of like, okay, maybe maybe I don't suck. Maybe. Well, she, and then she was the first one to really be vulnerable with me. Like she started yeah. talking to me. Like we would start talking to each other about yeah. relationship problems. Like right. I'm trying to date this person. She's trying to date this person. And we would give each other advice. And I was like, it's unbelievable that you are coming to me for yeah. any sort of advice. Like I have anything to offer you, but yeah. you some, for some reason you care about my opinion on this thing. Yeah. And so I just started to feel like, okay, this person that is unbelievable, right? Like enjoy spending time with me. Great. And then from there I watched her like turn into a different person, like really? in a good way. Yeah. And like she got, she, she got very into yoga. Okay. And eventually now she's a fucking yoga teacher like i wow. watched her do that start, that's cool start off as a thing that she like i like doing this enjoy doing i really then... enjoy doing this i want to do more of this and now i do it went from like hobby to professional yeah that's but really like cool. i just remember specifically and she would come to my events too like it meant so much to me oh, like, I remember, she would yeah, come she to events right? yeah she came there <clears throat> but like um i mean she's probably like outside of like the guys i know and our like little group of friends the one i saw the most so like yeah. at least the most re- in the last five years so, so i mean i just knew it was just really cool like yeah. I, it was really cool that she i mean yeah it I owe a lot to, make a good to her friend. but like watching yeah. her do but like watching her go through that yoga stuff was i specifically remember she would come to trivia every tuesday for a while to hang out with me and spencer that's awesome um but i specifically remember there was one time after she started doing yoga and i noticed that she was starting to get like muscles like on her back <laughs> getting some traps going and i was like damn she's like fucking healthy like you know what i mean like she's like fucking killing it yeah and i was like i want that like i want a thing that i feel i want the thing that she has like she has yoga and i was like i've i used to run a little bit and i enjoyed it i should keep it so i credit her for all of that wow i really do like she was the most important person for all of that transition and even while i was going through it like there was a period of my life in 2019 when i was miserable really i was absolutely it was I probably you, the probably the, honest I think, to god i know i said up, that like actually i know that i said that there was a like middle school high school sucked yeah 2015 one of the worst yeah. i honestly i think 2019 after i'd already become significantly healthier and happier one of the worst times of what my was life. it uh, you don't have to go into it like it uh. was just a combination of balancing a work from his work from home job before we had to have a work from home job and right. i couldn't handle it and really I oh ha- I, I remember that job i, I couldn't handle that. it and yeah. i sucked and i just i was getting very into running yeah in a, but like very into it and it was conflicting and, well just like i was getting very into running and i was trying to be healthy and i started to get healthy and people were noticing like oh my god you're losing weight and all this stuff it's like yeah and but it was but i also was like yeah, I was running during the day for hours. I'm not hours, but like I was learning. And then I would stay up all night trying to write 
or do work stuff which negates like a lot of the work you just did but yeah like i mean i started to really learn about attachment styles around this time because oh, nice. i learned uh, i learned a lot about that about myself through that but like yeah i was very anxious and i was anxious i mean avoidant. i just thought that like no i was anxiously attached like i wanted everyone to yeah. like me and want to go out with me um but like i just was in this phase of like oh you dating around is what you do mm-hmm. and i haven't done much of that in the last couple of years and you look your best and i'm feeling good and i need to so i need to go and date and so I was on the apps. I was on every app and I was Absolutely. going out every fucking, I was going out five times a week with you and different I talk, people. You and I talked about it regularly. Yeah. Like, and, it, and, then, and it was parts of it were very fun. Like, I'm not saying like, I met, I met a lot of cool people, you know what I mean? But it, like, yeah, no, dating is fun if you have the right yes, mindset. Yes. But like in my mindset at that time was just like mass. Let's meet as many people as mm-hmm, possible. Let's mm-hmm. meet everybody. I want to date everybody and then whittle it down from there. Mm-hmm. But like, I just, but there was one girl in particular that was a big <laughs> problem right and uh i it was the combination of running getting worn out yeah like physically worn out not sleeping at all barely sleeping because i couldn't sleep because of the dating stuff yeah and the stress of knowing that my bosses could email me at any moment because i was already staying up i was already staying up till 4 or 5 a.m to do my work knowing that they're going to email me at 6 a.m i was just not sleeping at all and then trying to manage going out every night because I would go out and I was drinking a lot. I was drinking heavily and just being drunk and then being hung over, but then going running, but then not sleeping. And it was just months, months of that. The periods in my life where I've mentally been my worst um, are the periods where I get the least amount of sleep. And uh, that's not a resolution this year. Yeah. It's yeah. sleeping and tracking my sleep. And doing it's better. the thing I've noticed over the past couple of years. Last year, when the pandemic started, like I had a sinus infection, I wasn't sleeping that well. Uh, there was a four or five day period where I think I got like four and a half hours of sleep, and I I had like final projects due, and it was like converging. I was walking around, and it felt like I was like phasing out of my body. Like I was emotional, crying, like uh, imposter syndrome, like to the max. Like I had to work from home for the FAA. Uh, I had. I was taking nine uh, graduate hours and then there was something else I was doing at the, and I'm trying to like stay healthy and shit. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I can't stay awake. Like, or, or I can't fall asleep. I call my mom at like five in the morning. She talked to me for like an hour and a half, just about bullshit, uh-huh. like TV show. And my mom's amazing. Uh, she also needs to get more sleep too, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love you. But you know, that was like the most anxious I've ever been in my life. And like, once I finally started getting my sleep back regulated through a variety of medication and then like getting off that medication and just like being in a better place mentally, like sleep matters the most for me. Yeah. Like it, um, eating healthy and exercising are number probably and, and water are like two, three and four in whatever order. Um, but it's sleep. It's, it's, I know I agree. It matters more than any of that stuff. It, 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 it really does. If I get a good night's sleep, like, I feel like I can check off whatever I did the day before. 100%. You know, and if I had an incredibly produ- productive day, but I got shit sleep, then my, my next day is shot. It's just shot. I, 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 I couldn't even begin to give you 100%. Well, so I was going to wrap that up by saying, like, that point, that time in my life, I agree with everything you said about sleep, by the way. Like, that's yeah. been my resolution for 2021 is I've been tracking sleep and I've been sleeping more and doing better. And it's made just an insane amount of difference. But anyway, I was going through that whole time and Allie was so helpful, like legitimately helpful in a way that no one else really was that 
And to the point where I started to feel like, fuck, she's going to not be my friend anymore because I can't (laughs) stop spiraling about everything. Right. But no, she was my best friend during that time and like legitimately was there for me in a way that no one was. And it all, I just remember it all like we went to ACL that year. It's the last time there was an ACL 2019. We went to ACL that year and it all just like hit. We were out at a, at an outdoor bar, like party. People are having a great time and just like everything just like hit me at once. And I just started crying. I just was very, just like super crying. And, uh, she was just super nice about it and like super helpful. And then we got into a huge fight that weekend, <laughs> huge fight. Uh, and that we've been friends, but like we've patched it up. And I was just going to say that like when I was going through all that, we were talking about my friends. You said 2018? Was it 2018 or 19? I think it was 19. Uh, the whole weekend of ACL 2018 is one big story is what she has here. Oh, we went together like two, two oh, okay, or three okay, times. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 2018 was just like a drunken like okay. party time. It was fun. But um, 2019 is when I was really going through it and I like started literally just crying in the middle of this dance party bar. Um, And but like when I were talking about when we were talking about my friends and my friendships like however, four hours ago, whenever that was, um, she was the one person during that time where I, I mean, I felt I was in a bad place then as well. Like not as nearly as bad as I was 2019, but like in 20, like pandemic stuff was affecting me and I started to really question all my friendships and I was having like a crisis. Oh yeah. And, um, she was the one person and I, she was one of the people that I, but I had felt like, I feel like she's, I call her my best friend, but like, I don't think we are like, I, again, I don't, I'm like, Oh fuck. I don't think she is anymore. We don't talk anymore. We're in a pandemic. We don't see each other. Like, are we best friends? Am I just making this up? And like, I said something to her about it when we got into kind of another fight about it. And it was really serious. Like I was in a bed, I was in a place then where I was ready to write off every friendship I had legitimately. Like I would have done it. Like I was ready to say, fuck everybody. I currently know I'm going to go make new people. <laughs> like I was in, it was not a great place to be in. No, I totally, but get she it, was the one person that I talked to that I felt close to. And the, that like kind of neglected. She was the one person of all my close friends that I reached out to and we had the conversation and like we went out to eat and went to have champagne and she did everything right and fixed it completely. And ever since then, I've been like, yeah, she's just the best. Nice. Well, she sounds like a lovely, wonderful person. She is. She was very, she had nothing but kind things to say to you about you. Um, What are a few words that you would use to describe Ryan? So there are many words and ways I would describe Ryan. Number one, compassionate. About his friends, music, the challenge, uh, <laughs> among many other TV shows and festivals. He is so loving and he loves so hard. I honestly feel so fortunate to call him a friend. Uh, number two, funny as fuck. <laughs> we have so many bits and inside jokes between the two of us. I know he probably does this with other friends, but it still makes me feel special. So it sounds like she cares yeah. just as much about you. And as... I don't really have that many. I, mean, I have more inside jokes with her than anybody. I would imagine. I yeah. mean, I don't think we have any. We don't. And I love you. <laughs> I'm going to have another crisis right now about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, humble is number three. Uh, the guy has accomplished so much and has so many cool experiences that he has been a part of but I don't think he actually realizes how cool or amazing that he really is. At least he doesn't act like it. That's, would, yeah, that's her recognizing my insecurities that, I would she, agree with that, that she has seen. I that's insane. Humble. People tell me that all the time. Like literally my therapist tells me that because yeah. I'm like, I'm afraid to date somebody now because 
they're going to think I'm not really doing anything. And yeah. she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah. I, I live in this house with two roommates. I'm a loser, but I had the same, know. same for what it's worth. Uh, I think you and I share a lot of insecurities. Um, I had the same conversation with my therapist. I was like, man, I just feel like a fucking quitter with this music stuff. He's like, didn't you just do it for seven years? And like, you know, the guys you managed, then they like charted on iTunes and you made a living of it and you did different things and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah he's like most people don't do more than like their first post or like whatever you know like you followed through with it he's like the school stuff like you're following through with it you know like do you feel like you were doing that stuff while other people were getting their lives together and moving into a new place and now you're in the place where they were when you were doing that stuff totally you just feel like you're so far behind totally um so i i would worry about that all the time so something i that's always in the back of my mind is my parents are older like um my dad was 39 when i was born my mom was 32 Mm -hmm. so i'm 33 uh everyone at home can do the math so i've always been very cognizant of the fact that i'm going to have less time with my parents and stuff you know normally than um say my other friends and different things and i think that always like kind of shaped my outlook of like my relationships and like how i wanted to go about things so um yeah i don't know um but you also feel like I did all that cool stuff and it was successful, but I have really nothing to show for it now, right? Yeah, but so like when I was, I quit baseball in high school, right? Like my mm-hmm. senior year, I um so I, I in my mind somewhere I was like, oh, I'm a quitter. Um, I dropped out of OU to do the music thing, and then I quit the music thing. So I'm like, I'm just a fucking quitter, mm-hmm. you know. And I had like had that mindset, and my therapist was like, Do you realize all the amazing things you've done that people only talk about? You know, like trying. And it took him like, you know, many sessions of like talking through that. And I was like, okay, I think that's probably a fair assessment. And then like when I went back to school and like my icebreaker is uh, with a bunch of fucking 19 year old and 20 year old (laughs) freshmen in a public speech class, like, uh, yeah, I'm in a Kendrick Lamar video. And everybody's like, what? You know, and it's like, oh, okay. Like I've done some cool stuff. I'm my my Cyrus tattoo. Yeah. I, I, Yeah. uh, I tell people about that all the time. Yeah. But like. I feel very much like everyone else has moved on. I'm still in the place where they were 10 years ago and I'm there right. now because I spent my twenties doing other things, but that's but then, cool. Yeah. No, but then, but then my therapist would tell me like, yeah, but those people didn't get to do any of those things that you did. No. Like I got to go to Bonnaroo for 10 years and like do, do cool comedy shit and DJ yeah. shit. But like those people never got to do that. Stuff. Yeah, so they may get to, huh? they may get to if they want to but no guarantees you know what i mean at least you got to try some stuff when you were passionate but i also feel and I'm, i think you might be the same way like i'm a person that i can't zoom out hard enough like uh-huh. i can't like if something like right now i feel like i'm not accomplishing anything so like what um, did i accomplish today nothing it's a bad day right but like you think well what did i accomplished this week a lot more it's it's again it's like investing where it's like i like i said earlier i'm way up overall but like this week i'm down and it drives me insane and it's like it's like taking one step back after five step forward it drives me insane and i can't handle it but that goes back to what she says about being humble in that way where it's like yeah i did these really cool things and that is it and i've bailey and baylor have been like that a lot for me lately um I, so I recently visited Connecticut the first week of May because um, we're moving out there, and I got I, I, you should probably see where you're going to move before you move there. Uh, ESPN I woke up, baby, uh, yeah, yes sir. I woke up the second day in the hotel room, and I just like started bawling at like six in the morning, and I didn't want to wake Bailey up, so I went in the bathroom and I like typed out just like a message on my notes, and then it ended up being an email to my family, and then I showed Bailey, 
I was like, I don't think I could do this. Yada, yada. You know, like, I think it's going to be tough. I don't know if I can be away from y'all. Uh, this is going to be such a like math and quantitatively intensive, um, program. I don't, you know, what if I'm making the wrong decision? I'm not necessarily afraid of failing. I'm afraid of being wrong and yada, yada, yada. And Bailey was like, weren't you just like the first person to get outstanding graduate student like two years, two in, years two in a row two, two years in a row that's right and i was like yeah and she's like didn't you just do this this you know like but run? like i would feel that and i would go okay but how does that translate to the next thing totally yeah like I, it's exactly cool that i it's I cool feel. that i got it but i could have also not got it and been here in this exact well, same situation. i feel like i cut I, I know the corners i cut you know and it's not like i cut corners like unethically but it's like there were days i half-assed some projects or did different things you know what i mean and it's like yeah. am i really that you know, or maybe I was that for a moment, but like, am That's, I, I mean, that goes back to what I said about yeah. DJing. It's like, I don't think I'm a good DJ, but like, I probably am, but I don't think that I am because I know some of the shit that I do. That's not that DJs aren't, I guess, supposed to I just do. feel I like know. a con man sometimes. And yeah. you know what I mean? And that's not what I am or even close to it. But like the, the insecurities I have stem around me. It's imposter syndrome. Usually that so. Tinder life thing made me feel that way. Bad. I oh, started to think, to. I started thinking, it's like, wait, am I a fraud? Like, have I just never had a good idea am i completely derivative (laughs) yeah i I mean that was a thing for me to really go through that it was bad but no i totally get how the account you're like yeah i have these cool things that i accomplished those are in the past now yes and now i have to do more and it's like that's how i I have to do more right and that's how my mind works and my therapist has been trying to get me to just like get comfortable with like the nothingness the lulls you know and it's like yeah but fuck that i know i want to i want to do i want to be productive every day i I, i'm the same way and if i'm not i feel like shit i feel like i have to take some uh, a step forward in in some direction of some path in my life has to be taken in a day yeah you know and that's it that's it like um i understand the value of rest days like i can i can factor those into as progress you know as a step forward but like i feel like i have to be doing something uh have you ever inspired ali if so how absolutely have i ever inspired ali yeah, you. Uh, I asked her, has she, have you ever inspired her? Oh, you asked her that? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Ryan has this perseverance about him that is infectious. He says he is going to do something and he does it. I said that early on, thought to action, way to go. Me and Allie are actually best <laughs> friends. It's like I said, so I, 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 know when, I know when I have an idea in my head that yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. He finds a way to make it happen. I have this fear of making the wrong choices, so I sometimes stay stuck in places that I'm not necessarily happy with, but I'm afraid of things being worse. He's helped me get out of this mindset and show me that I can make amazing things happen. So it's wow, a beneficial. I did not know that. Well, there you go. Feel good about that. Wow. Uh, I asked her, how did she come to grow into the correct characteristics that Ryan mentioned about her? Uh, and you said uh, she was a very positive influence. So she said, I think in terms of me uh, being inspired to be positive, uh, experience in general has taught me to be that way. If you focus on the negative, then that's all there's going to be. Your brain is expecting the worst outcome to become true. But if you focus on the positive, then a whole world of possibilities can open up. And I think that's, uh, uh the psychological, uh, term of that is counterfactual thinking. Like when you're only thinking of the negatives and things like that, you, and you're not giving like, yeah, but it could go well. Well, is that something that I was going to say is that like, I'm still, I'm still this person and I'm trying to not be this person but only because it's been proven right so many times I still am this person, but like right. I tend to assume the worst yeah. in any situation. Yeah. 
And it was a bitch getting you over here. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to see what this was going to be. But no, I it, I tend to be like, oh, this person didn't text me. I mean, it goes back to my friendship things, right? Like, oh, this person yeah. didn't text me back. They don't like me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they probably do. They didn't fucking text you back, right? But like, it, it goes back to the effort thing that we've already talked about. Yep. But like, um, she really is. I remember being down bad whenever we worked together. My house got robbed when we worked together. I remember my that. car got robbed. My car got broken into when we worked together. Didn't your house get robbed twice? Twice. Yeah. Within weeks. Yeah. And she was always the person that was like, you know, there. she was just never like, she wouldn't let me get too down about it. Right. She would always pull me back up. Like she was so good at that. She's very positive and it's good. It's not too much. It's not too positive. And she also taught me grounded, but encouraging. She taught me, she's the one who got me into meditation too. Like just awesome. like, just like yoga got, got me into running her talking to me about meditation, made me Beautiful. curious enough to look into it. And I got into it because of her and it's been incredibly beneficial to me. And it had been meditation itself. It just caused me to destroy like parts of my life that were there previously. Totally. But like, um, which and I mean that in a good way. Meditation is one of those things that's like riding a bike, like, there's certain things you will never unlearn. Like one, once you have a like certain breakthroughs of like noticing things about yourself, you're like, or, or being mindful, like what actual mindfulness is. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, even if I don't meditate for a long time, and I try and meditate regularly, but you at least know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to catch yourself. Yeah, and I knew. I also know what it's like when I never did that. Never, you know, like, or at least like never did it on purpose. Right. You know, and I. I but that's cool. I mean, I mean, I owe all of that to her. And she also even got me into like the power, like the, um, fuck, what's it called? Um, like the power of positive thinking, high vibrations, like, Oh, um, yeah. PMI, man, the manifesting. PMI. Things. Oh, just, manifest just, destiny stuff. Just like manifesting things into your life yeah, that you want. Yeah. There's a positive, I think PMI is like positive mindset intention, something like that. Something, yeah. There's a word for it. I can't remember what the word yeah. is, but she got me into that even for parts of last year when I needed it. And that's just who she is. Though. I mean, she is a very bubbly, positive person. And it's insane that she says that she's bad at making decisions, but I guess she kind of is. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, tell me one story about Ryan that you will never forget. Uh, she said, we have so many stories. The whole weekend of ACL 2018 is one big story. It was a big blur of Froze and Carafes of wine from Campo Viejo. <laughs> Puplio's queso. Oh yeah. Me as a dancing cat. Phoenix and oh losing God. Annie. I forgot about that. He will forever be my festy bestie. I feel like there were eight inside jokes right yeah, there. Yeah, they're really that's yeah. just all inside yeah, jokes. Yeah, basically. So but like, yeah. I mean, no, I mean Campo Viejo, the carafes of wine they have it. Um ACL is just insane that they will let you buy bottles of wine and walk around the festival. It gets me fucked up. That's nuts. But yeah, I mean there was there was a fucking great weekend and we had a, we had a lot of fun. Excellent. Well yeah. Ali, I think that was her big her big fest first big festival experience oh then i'm sure she had a great time well yeah. alice sounds like a wonderful person who she's the best you guys have uh obviously had mutual influence on each other let's move to alan oh, oh god okay alan i promise we won't take as long as alan no you're fine fuck um, alan <laughs> yeah fuck alan um all right here's what you had to say about alan i became friends with alan at a pivotal point in his life and got to watch him come to terms with distancing himself from his religious beliefs and what his family wanted for him he really blazed his own trail from there and I've always looked up to him for that. He also inadvertently gave me some of the best relationship advice I've ever heard when we were like 23 and he was drunk talking about his wife. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say what the advice was in the email. I wanted to tell it to no, you. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then you said from there, he's been one of my best friends 
and the person who I feel trusts me the most with his own time and potential. He's a person that's always down for literally anything and lets me take the lead because he knows I'm a control freak. Watching him become a dad has been a delight. That's cool. That's how I feel about Dan. Yeah, same. Um, okay. Uh, so relationship Alan, advice. Well, or, so back it up. Or yeah, whatever. Alan and I met in high school. Do you guys he's go to the same He's like high my oldest friend, technically, right? Did he go to the same high school as you? Yeah, we met in high okay. school. We were in high school together. He's a grade below me. Because I knew you went to high school with Tom also, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, I've been to high school with my roommate, Tom, the other Tom. That oh, we know. Okay. did Lingo uh, go? Lingo, both Lingos. I didn't know Lingo. Yeah, there. we all okay. went to high school together. Um, but Alan, so Alan was a grade below me, and we, again, did not like each other. We started off, he was just, I, we both, we were, the thing with Alan and Allie, and the reason I think we all get along, that I get along with him so well is that Allie and I are very similar. Mm-hmm. We are the same person. Like, we make the same jokes sometimes to each other, or we'll, like, we just are, I just feel like, there's she's not it's not like a yin and yang it's like two yins you know what i mean and i feel the same way about alan but like he and Alan, he and i are so similar that when we met in high school i was like this guy's me like fuck this guy why is he like i'm the i'm the white guy with the afro and the blazer why is he trying to do my my corner yeah so we didn't like each other and eventually he became friends with one of my friends and we all started hanging out and then i just fell in love with alan he's the funny he's so funny he's the funniest person i've ever met in my life but he's another one of those people that is so casually effortlessly funny 100 percent. that i've watched him try to do stand-up and he's terrible he was so bad i but, can totally see that uh yeah he just ran because he doesn't have to try to be funny no. but when you're on stage you can't it's just a different ramble thing. it's right. a different thing but like he is effortlessly the funniest person i've ever met he's one life. of my favorite speaking voices of anyone i know personally yeah I yeah, think it's loud and deep. It's loud, deep. I think he could make a killing doing like narration for audiobooks and stuff. Absolutely. But like we eventually, so we eventually, uh, we graduated, we became good friends. And then yep. I would, 2008, I was like, I want to start a podcast. Yeah. Who do I start a podcast? Of course, Alan. Alan. Like he was my number one draft pick. Like it has yeah. to be Alan Pellegrin. So um, we did. We st- But that's what I mean by he didn't know what the fuck I was doing. No. I was like, come to my house. We weren't even 21 yet. I was like, yeah. come to my house. I'll get someone to buy his beer. And we'll just talk into microphones. And he's like, this is weird. But he did it. He always trusts. He's actually yeah. like, he always trusts me to do yeah. whatever. He knows that like. I, f- I feel like uh, you and I have that a little bit. I ask you to do some weird shit or just like, hey, just. I mean, I'm here, right? Yeah, you're here. <laughs> and here we are. Two hours like, yeah, I just knew that like when we started going on the podcast, he was so funny. And like he was, I couldn't have done it without him. Absolutely couldn't have done it without him. And then from there, that transitioned into us being on the spy. Again, couldn't have done it without him. But I also knew that. I also knew that, like, I have to control everything here. Like, I have to schedule guests and be here on time to, like, set everything up and just, Alan, just just pray that he will be here at all. That's how. That's par- the type of person Alan is. That's how Paradigm was with Dan. I mean, Dan showed up and he was there for everything, but it was also like, hey, we're he gonna, might not be. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to point and shoot. Just show up, big guy. You do, you do, your yeah. Dan, you do your Dan thing, and that's all we need. From that's you. all I needed from him, though. Was yeah. like, just show up, and he'd be like, and it's an invaluable skill, you know. Like, oh but, my god, I, yeah, something. I don't know anyone else that can do that. And it's like, if I were to ask you them to do what I or, or split the time on doing what I, it would take so much away from what they do. You know what I mean? Like as a person, like yeah, you don't want to control their no. their chaos. No, absolutely. Not. I, that's what I love, but I knew yeah. that, and I didn't. It didn't bother me at all. No. I just was just like, just please just it show is. up. Yeah. Just please show up. And there were times he didn't, but um, <laughs> he would, um, he just is naturally so funny. So good at talking to people. I agree. And uh, I mean, we, I, he, people would show, I'd be like, Oh, by the way, 
he would show up at eight o'clock when we're going live and walk in the door and i'd be like hey welcome to our show alan's here and i would introduce him to the guests on the air he wouldn't Amazing. even know who they are and he would lead a he would lead a conversation uh, that's that's a skill. It really is. But they, like, I also yeah. knew not to trust them with anything else. No, no, no. <laughs> I had to, totally, totally, totally. I had to control everything beyond that. But, um, but totally. from there, we grew a very real... F- I mean, it's one of those things that started off as like, I'm going to use you because you're funny. Right. <laughs> but like, we developed a very real friendship. We liked the same shitty indie rock at that time in my life. And um, we just became close. And he was so much fun. And he was the person that was d- always down for whatever. I'd be like, hey, I want to try a, a thing. Right. I want to do... Like, this happened very recently. Like, I still see and talk... I mean, he moved away for a couple of years. So we weren't as close. But ever since he moved back, we hang out quite a bit. And, like, we've told each other, like, it means a lot to me that you're still my friend. And he's told me that it means a lot. We have acknowledged each other. Like, it's important that we stay friends because I don't know what I'd do without him. And he... It's just the like very very recently when I was not when I didn't drink through most of this year, and I was like you know you have things you'll see something like an event will pop up and you're like that sounds like something I would want to try to do maybe but like there's no way I'm gonna ask someone to go to something with me right right but like I I had never been to pops before and okay and I was just thinking I was like I'm not drinking right now but I want to do something I want to get some like I want to. You want to drive, drink something. You want to that, drive somewhere with some people, go spend some money and drink something. Well, yeah, I was just like, what am mm-hmm. I, what, how can I emphasize not drinking? I just want an alcohol at least. Like I want to mm-hmm. drink something that's not alcohol. That's also cool. And I just went and picked up Alan and he didn't even know what we were doing. And I just picked him up. I was like, Hey, I'm, we're going to pops. And he was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. Awesome. Alan's is that person for me. He is, he, he was the best podcast partner I could have asked for at that time. Good. He, I mean, we had, that show was funny doing numbers it was funny i mean it's insane well you the, guys had a lot of like semi-legit guests i felt like you know we had a lot of great guests yeah. a lot of comedians or bands coming through town and it's just insane now to think back on how successful that show was because we didn't think it was right like we would get ten thousand downloads in a month sometimes dude you get hella sponsorships that's what i'm saying now, now yeah. because because there was so little podcasts then the that's ones that crazy. did exist were getting massive numbers and like podcast advertising didn't really exist but like now i host this oc podcast and we get like a thousand downloads in a year and i'm we're like that's great you know what i mean but like no fun intended at its peak was doing numbers that's and we just crazy. but we didn't realize that they were doing numbers because we did it was just normal you Man. know what i mean wow and I just, I, it never really hit me that we were successful in that way. And I know it didn't hit it to him. He doesn't even know that we recorded that stuff. I mean, yeah. He, he, it, to him, he didn't know what we were doing. He just showed like, up oh, and, yeah, he just showed up and talked and it was funny. Yeah. He has no idea that we recorded or released any of that, but like it was big. And I just wish that we would have realized how big it was at the time. Alan, if you made it this far, don't you ever change you sweet, sweet angel. And yeah. But now he, now he's a dad and. It's, I bet he's an incredible dad. The last time I saw it was, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little worried when I knew he was going to have a kid. Um, but like, I was just like, is Alan going to be a good dad? I don't right. know. Right. He's a fucking great dad. Um, the last time I saw him, I went to pick him up at his house and he was just, I was, he was just hanging out with his daughter on his porch. Awesome. And I was just like, this is a, I almost took a picture of it. I was That's like, this awesome. is adorable. That's awesome. Um, the advice that he gave me that he mm. didn't, I don't think he even really meant to give me, but there are phases, especially when we were, when i was in the bad places in my life especially and i'm sure you can relate where you Mm -hmm. basically basically what we talked about like you meet people and you go oh i'd like or like oh i met this girl at a bar 
she's cool but then she probably doesn't like me mm-hmm. and then it's like well we'll see what happens and like she does make some effort but you're like well there's no way she likes me we're just gonna be friends yeah and then you just like and then like you're friends right mm-hmm. and then you're like fuck i wish i would have like made a move or something right, right? and but it, well, whatever i specifically remember alan being drunk and <laughs> talking to me about <laughs> his married life and he's been married over 10 years good for him my technically my first dj gig was his wedding and did his wife go to y'all's high school no okay no when Sorry. i said he's a trailblazer like what right. i meant by that was like he was so he went with me to like we did podcasts i mean no one was doing podcasts right from there but then from there i watched him go do like he wanted to be a chef he went to chef school <laughs> he worked as a chef for years which is insane to me that i knew someone who went to culinary school graduated and then became a chef and i was like alan did that like but it's like a skill that he has that you don't even that's, think about that you don't cool, even think though. about like it doesn't no. come up in everyday conversation or anything but he just knows so much about food stuff which is insane to me but then from there, like he then he moved to New Mexico with his wife. And I was like, that's cool that you just said, I'm going to move to New Mexico. And then he moved to New Mexico. He, I mean, he's a very much a New Mexico person. Um, and then him and his wife started a company. The Etsy thing, right? Yeah, they started a company. Yeah, I mean, his wife started it. Right. But like now he's a part of it. Yeah, I mean, he's supportive and you know. he works basically. I mean, it's they basically run that company now. And it's like, it's insane that he's done these things. It's kind of like, I mean, I know it's what Ali said about me almost, but like, right. he, what was the advice? So yeah, I so the I advice was um, we were 23 probably and we yeah. were drunk and he was talking about married life and I was complaining about, I don't know if this girl right. likes me or not. I don't know. Uh, I'm depressed, whatever. <laughs> and he, I never, I'll never forget him telling me like, I will, he told me his words were the first time I ever met Tiffany, who's his wife. I was very blunt about, we're not going to be friends. Like I'm here to date you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, to me, that was the most like, fuck, that is powerful like now i mean now it's very obvious good advice like i'm very direct with everybody now like when i meet people i will let them know like hey i want to date you and if you don't want to date me that's fine but i'm going to get it out of the way up front yeah intentions are good you know like but for him to have told me that back then was just like mind-blowing that's clairvoyant right there no that's awesome uh all right he said he knows you i actually know ryan because we went to high school together and we did not get along at all we both thought the other were <laughs> it's pre- funny that they both said that and i also said that i know we both thought the other were pretentious jerks and we were both right uh <laughs> and we ended up hanging out in a mutual circle of friends a few months after i graduated high school and over a few weeks of being forced around each other our rivalry became friendship that's exactly the same as ali by the way that's yeah. it could apply to both and then teamwork when we began our first podcast around a year later um what are a few <laughs> words he would use to describe you focused driven swarthy um for th- <laughs> swarthy is a peak allen word uh apple dictionary says swarthy is uh dark skinned uh, <laughs> I mean, alan has no idea what swarthy means no there's gotta the be more um there's definitely not <clears throat> nope swarthy he doesn't know what that word means he's yeah. like saying it that's he likes to talk <laughs> he loves to hear himself talk i love it that i had the look up on there and i was like i don't even know what it is um has ryan ever inspired you yes ryan inspires me by taking big chances and committing himself to big decisions again common through line here ryan thought to action that's a big deal people admire that about you that's wild that's crazy yeah. i never okay yeah. cool yeah keep doing you keep keep uh keep doing things uh let's see what was the fourth question it was how did you come to grow into the characteristics that Ryan mentioned about you? Um, in other words, what inspired or influenced you to be the way you are? And Alan said about himself, I want to see and know everything on earth for myself, which means being willing to jump face first into bad decisions for fun and quote science. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking 
God, he's hilarious. <laughs> he does that all the time. I'll feel there's I could name ten thousand times where I'd be like, I don't know if we should drink this. He'll be like, We got to science. He uh, so on the tell me one story about Ryan that you'll never forget. Since he emailed late, he said, "Ask Rake, this is already late." What's what's one story with Alan that you'll never ever ever that forget? Motherf- that's definitely Alan energy to not yeah understand the assignment. Yeah. Um, I, I think the twenty the advice is a great one. I mean, the advice is real. I mean, I'm trying to think of like insane. Like, obviously, we have insane like just yeah, drunk d- party yeah. stories that were great. I mean, that Bonnaroo where he was on every drug, and I dragged him to see Sleigh Bells and Charles Gambino was his own thing. But like, I remember. I mean, this was a while. This is crazy to think back on now because we were young. Like, we were in our mid twenties when I got my DUI. Uh huh. And. I was financially fucked. Right. Like I, oh, God, yeah. like, how do you pay for a DUI? I didn't have a job. I was doing comedy, right? Like, I was doing comedy for $10 at a bar. I can't imagine the existential dread that and, accompanied like, that, my friend. I was panicked and stressed. And Alan, it was, like I said, he was always a friend that I enjoyed spending time with. And, like, I felt like we were good friends, but I didn't feel like we would cross that yeah. bridge to, like, I'm going to be vulnerable and real with you about yeah. things in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's hard to predict till you just do it. You yeah. Know? I mean, we kind of had a right. couple of times, but like I started to just tell him one night, like I am stressed out. I don't, I'm going to fucking lose my driver's license or whatever. If I can't pay all the stuff off and he'd get, he, he was like, do you need to borrow money? And I was like, and we were young. It's not like we just had money, yeah. especially him. <laughs> like, and I was like, uh, maybe. And he just let me borrow $2,000 that I never really paid him back for. Yeah. He let me borrow $2,000, which is insane, it. by the way. For Alan to have done that was insane. I'll never, ever I don't ever know if you've heard that. all his DJ explorations, but time to cash in, well, Alan. So eventually, it's really weird. And we haven't really talked about this, but I don't think it's a problem. But like, so he did that. And I still was like, I mean, I spent it on that. And then I didn't have money again, right? So it was hard for me to try and pay him back. But. It's insane. First of all, it's insane that he did that. Like, that's just... I think um, I've given money to friends before, and friends have given me money before, and most of the time we've paid each other back, but there are times when it's like... But just Alan, of all people, I did not expect to be like, do you need to borrow money? And even now, looking back on it now, I'm like, that's insane that he did that. There's 10 other friends I would have thought would have done that had I... I mean, I didn't ask him, but like, he's just such a sweet person in that way, but... He's always come across as very genuine and kind, and kind of um, a touch above the bullshit... And if you're willing to get to the heart of the matter, he seems like he'd be willing to as well. Like, I'm will, always, yeah, no, he will literally make stuff up to make me feel better sometimes. Yeah, he'll, I, uh, he'll, I, I'll put, I, he'll pretend like he knows what I'm going through just to like, cause he knows it'll help me. And with um, that voice, it's so soothing. It really is. But like eventually, but like not long after that, I had inherited my grandpa's truck. He had passed away and I inherited his truck and then Alan needed a car. So we were trying to sell the truck for like $4,500. And I was like, if you want to just buy it for 2000 then we basically were even at that point, which I felt okay about that. So he took my grandpa's truck and then he's driving my fucking grandpa's truck around. And that thing was like, not it, it, when we sold it to him. I didn't think I thought it was great, but like, it turns out it was like kind of a piece of shit. And like it, it cost more money hey, back into the truck. It was all the thing. effort was there and the effort was there, but like, I'll never forget that he did that for me at that time because I don't know what I would have done without that. That's an excellent story. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm actually glad he deferred to you on that one. That's a great. I don't story. even know if he remembers that he did that. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he remembers much uh, beyond like two weeks. That's part ago. of his charm. That was like yeah. he he's really he smart. He doesn't he's, know what we did last time we hung out. He has no idea. I'm fascinated by intelligent people who almost seem to have no recollection of anything other than just like facts. Well, you he know? just lives so in the moment. Yeah, 
yeah. it's impressive it's a i'm never i mean i overthink everything all the time right and so i know exactly what happened in every second of every situation he he doesn't notice or care about anything you've in a good way you've obviously known him at a much much longer and much different phases of his life but like i can't even imagine him getting um too worked up either way i've seen it once uh, without extreme amount of alcohol involved like, there was one time he was going through like a hard time and i felt good about him reaching out to me and talking to me about it and like being like okay this makes me feel better knowing right. that like you are this person that has right. these emotions and i you feel comfortable right. talking to me about them yeah it's nice to, it's nice to realize you're not an alien with like your own insecurities and the shit you're dealing with in life and you're like hey other people are struggling well, he, i mean he's just such a person that yeah. i'm sure kind of not unlike dan that is very fun in the moment but yeah. then whenever they do have those real moments it's like oh shit this is like more real than usual because yeah. it's them that's doing it oh totally like when uh you know dan and I, and I have had multiple vulnerable conversations and i mean there's times when i'm like you were going through that like damn dude i'm like i would never have guessed like everything you know like you, you're so calm and like collected and cool in so many situations i never would have yeah so when you see someone like that struggle like you said it's like very in the moment like humbling and sobering you're like oh okay like everyone's going it makes it more real yeah no totally totally and not that they're not three-dimensional anyway but it's even more than you would have anticipated um i've eaten up a lot of your time i appreciate it well yeah i feel like we've been doing this for i mean yeah yeah Uh, i'm gonna end with one question uh what what uh what are some like recommendations like books music podcast you name it whatever you whatever you want to end on uh the reason i ask is i'm going to ask everyone but uh you told me to read the book blankets about four years ago i read it and it got oh, yeah. me back into reading uh so really yeah uh, that. it was just so easy to read and i hadn't read for fun in a really long time and so i just tore through it and then i started reading like graphic novels and comic books again and then like just books and non-fiction books and it, it, it really um because i used to read all the time and i just I felt like I took five, six years off reading a full fucking book, honestly. And then you told me to read that. And I was like, uh, I made that Facebook post about it. And I was like, that's going to be the first one I read. And I was like, well, shit, this is thick. And I was like, oh, it's got pictures. Cool. Uh, and I ran through it and I was like, okay, that's exactly what I was looking for. It's like just a life story. I get it. Um, you know, not, not this grand proclamation about the human condition or anything like that, but it's just like, Hey, it's just like a dude living his life. Yeah. And like, it's like, this, here's what yeah. life was like for me. Um, kind of in a comic form touching on like a lot of the like major touch points of life and stuff. I was like, I get it, you know, but it, uh, I mean, it, it, if nothing else, it got me it back into reading for sure. That's why I didn't know that blankets yeah. is fucking great. I need to, I need to read I, it again. I, uh, I gave it to Bailey to read. So it's here somewhere. Uh, That's your excuse for not having it. But yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So, uh, what, what you, What's the last book you read? Do you even know? Oh, uh, I don't know. I would. I went through a phase of like nonfiction, just like mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, I've read like meditation books. And oh, stuff, all the time. I, I haven't like, done fiction in forever. Me either. My sister's been doing it lately, and I want to get back into it. Um, I have a lot of nonfiction stuff I want to get through though that that I'm I'm really fascinated with. Uh, I think the last one that I really remember that wasn't just like a tutorial book or something right you know i mean that wasn't just like here's how you can do something better or like make right. your life better or whatever right. was um the uh what was that it was the book that they it was the book about theranos and elizabeth holmes oh okay um they, they made the hbo documentary you nice, um yeah. i can't remember what that book was called it wasn't called bad blood bad blood was the hbo documentary yeah i don't know the book title either um it was john it was 
written by John Carreyrou. I just can't remember the name of the book, but it's it was really good. I'm obsessed with like that scam culture stuff, and like she was just like a part of it. I love Elizabeth Holmes. I think she's hot, but whatever. Um, I just that book was really good. It was just about um her creating this billion dollar company based on almost nothing and just tricking people into getting investments. I love and, shit like that. Yeah, it was really good. Any pods? Any shows? I know you're a reality show guy. Oh my god! Yeah, this is. I didn't know this was coming. I wish I would have prepared i will say everyone should do improv class that's I'm a, going rec- to, that's a I, recommendation uh my goal is to have it done by my 35th birthday i mean be, yeah you can just do it like well, i think, I'm probably think not, that there's like a lot of pressure to, there's really not at all well I, i'm just probably not getting it done this summer because i'm moving and stuff right. and i so oh my god yeah 35 is not that far away either i forgot yeah oh. it's a year from like you're from july so. um which fuck as far as we, I will say this. This is something that I tried to. The I, Circle season two, by the way, on Netflix is killer. You liked it? I liked it. Did you not? I thought it was good. Yeah. I like season one better. I don't like the celebrity aspect they're bringing in. Like, yeah, like the Lance yeah. Bass thing was too much for me. But I, yeah, if they would have kept it at Chloe, yeah, I, I like their in-house yeah, celebrities. Chloe's, my Chloe's amazing. Favorite. If, if, if they yeah. keep their in-house celebrities, I think they're in good shape. Um, I will say that like this is just like a, a recency thing, but like, and I know I've kind of talked to you and Baylor about it, but like. I'm not a person that enjoys, I mean, I like sports, I right. like competitive stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not ever in my life ever one time in my life have I ever been like, I am a racing fan because I'm not. Oh yeah. You said you watched the racing show on the formula one show on Netflix. F1 drive to survive. What's so good about it? It's the best reality show I've ever seen. Really? I don't, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's the best. Really? Yes. What's so is, good about it? It's like if you took hard knocks, but you made it a hundred times better. <laughs> It's like the Sold. the acts the, to me the thing that stands out more than is the access. That okay. These, first of all, I don't know anything about Formula One until I watched the show. I was cool. It's cool to learn about it. Right. It's a very rich sport. Oh, millionaires and millionaires. It has to be. Every driver is a rich, like hot dude, <laughs> and so it's got Real Housewives energy, but with guys. Um, but the access that the film crew has is unbelievable. Really. Like the backs, like the politics and the backstageness of it all. Just the fact that in Formula One inherently is the same twenty people racing every weekend. There's ten teams. There's two drivers per team. That seems like that'd get competitive and like mean. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like these people are the most. Like I know that there's like Michael Jordan is like the most competitive person, right? These guys are right there. Like it's been except it's twenty of them. <laughs> like. It's unreal how much, and it comes down to like fractions of a second, right? But like the access that they have to talk to the drivers and their families and mm-hmm. to the coaches, the principal owners of the team, and like learning that someone's going to be fired from their team because they aren't good enough, even though they're like one of the 10 best drivers in the world. Um, wow. The, to me, the most interesting part of it, though, is that there are two drivers on every team. Okay. And you would think the team, I mean, the team that if you place in the top 10 your team gets points so you think like we're gonna work together and get some points yeah no, no, like no. scotty and michael Absolutely it's not, not that it's shaq and kobe they they are so like the best the rivalries exist within their own team more than the other teams really because so they, because every driver, Nights is real yes like lewis hamilton is the best driver in the world he's rise from mercedes he wins every year the other Mercedes driver, this guy Valtteri Bottas, I promise I won't talk about this forever. No, I Valtteri Bottas is there's an entire episode dedicated to him about how it feels to be one of the three best drivers in the entire world, and but not, not but the not best the best, but team. not even the best on your team. Oh my god! And it's just it's 
unbelievable. These they, they live these amazing lives. They're traveling every weekend. They're going to Monaco. They're in Monaco this weekend, by the That's way. That's pretty tight. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> it's just they go to these amazing places and these races are How many super seasons fun. Are there? There's three, there whole... three seasons. Oh wow! But like, I watched two episodes and I was like, "All right, this is it for me. I'm going to watch these three seasons now." Like, it's the best. Sh- most well done reality show i've ever seen excellent um i'll leave you with one um are you do you know who andrea savage is she a news person she's a comedian Um, oh no never mind no you're good she was in Step Brothers, and she was the therapist that ended up dating um i haven't seen Step Brothers since it was in theaters okay um she has her own show on netflix there's only two seasons it's called i'm sorry it's to me, a more scripted version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's genuinely, genuinely funny. Good humor. Um, yeah, I know who she is. Tom Everett Scott uh, from That Thing You Do is in it and Dead Man on Campus. Um, it's just, it's just it, it, she, I mean, she's basically herself. And like, like I said, it's a more scripted Curb Your Enthusiasm about just like a family in LA. But it, it's so funny and like wholesome, but also like the right kind of dirty. Like I laugh out loud five times an episode, like genuinely laugh out loud. And I very, I very few, I have a hard time finding shows that I like consistently laugh at throughout okay. the, the writing is good. So, okay. Yeah. You know, if you're looking for something that's scripted and not reality, but I am. Yeah. I'm sorry. Bye. Okay. Uh, and it's on Netflix and there's only two seasons. So it's pretty good. Okay. Well, thanks man. This uh, went a cool hour over what I thought it would in a good way. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this and taking the time this was weird because another like people don't do this like most people don't have this experience right that yeah. i just had where people just talk to you about your life and your no, friends no, that, like, and that's, that's kind wild. of the whole, that's kind of the whole point is to like kind of give you a primer on it but the way talking about all these different people and you like your own experiences and the way like the common themes kind of weave like you know to see your the realization on your face when you're like wow i guess i do do shit i think i'm gonna do or think i want to do or say i'm gonna do you know like that's awesome i love seeing that like with blev um his like like, the the thing that kept coming through was like he's uh, an honest genuine person and he's like you know it's like he's probably been told that but when you hear it from like five six different responses like they were like oh i guess like that's not bullshit you know so it's kind of fun and like most of the things that like we end up talking about are like things that I like about you or my guest anyway. So it's all this like recycle arrow loop of, you know, just influencing and like being together and stuff. And I'm trying to like highlight it in or in organic way. And ideally I would like to draw kind of like this branch where like I'm in the middle and then do out the guests and like do uh, do a graphic where all the guests, like if they're related to each other in any way, shape or form to just kind of show like how oddly connected we are and stuff like that. So, hmm. cause I mean, like I, you know, you and Dan have a very unique relationship that I think like is completely different than my, you know, yours and mine, but we come from the same origin. You know what I mean? I think like your, the two interests that, or the interests that y'all two would share would, it would be a different conversation. Casey and it, yeah. Yeah. Casey Musgraves, you know, and it'd branch out to different things. So it's just, um you know it's kind of blev was one of the people that when i started djing i was like i was worried that he was just gonna look at me like really you're a dj now i thought the same thing about katie but like blev for sure i just thought he was gonna think so little of he hated djing hated it i mean he did it because we had to like that was his thing he was just like i was with comedy yeah adaptable team player he just did it because we needed him to like he was happy to just chill and like not do his thing so uh no but this is really fun man um 
hopefully, you know, it uh, taught you a little something about yourself. And I hope you know that there are a lot of people that care about you and you inspire them and influence them. So Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you have a good evening. Thank you. Yeah. All done. <laughs>